Hi, I'm Nathan Austin, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, the East Fife and Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Lee Gillis, and we're bringing you another packed episode across two continents. I, I think this week, though, Lee, you're probably going to have much better air quality than me here because in Vancouver. We have been either number one or number two in the worst air quality in the world this week because of all the forest fires in America, so we can't really go outside and breathe very much, so it's nice to be just sitting at home doing a podcast instead. Yeah, keep yourself safe, Michael. Stay alert, control the fire. Yeah, control the smoke for sure. Also, a a local (laughs) pier beside us went on fire, which added some toxic stuff into the air as well, so... That was all good, but you're not here wanting to listen to me complain about being smoked out of my house. We're here to talk about football. We're here to talk about East Fife. Before we get into any of that, though, let us know who this week's sponsors are, Lee. So we have a few sponsors this weekend. Before I get right into the sponsors, just wanted to say a huge thank you once more to the the people who bought masks. Um, the, the masks seem to be really, really popular. We sold out pretty much all of them except from one. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. I am off on Saturday, so we'll be sending them out then. So we, we covered the majority of them last week, but additional to that was Michael Sullivan, um, Chris Gillis, and of course, John Scott Neal, longtime sponsor of the show as well. So thank you to you guys. Yeah, fantastic. It, it's, I loved the masks. When Lee sent me the design for it, I was like, oh, they're... They're really, really smart. Could certainly have done with them this week with the, the smoke and everything as well. And I've got to say, welcome back. I hope you had a, a nice little break with your lovely wife, Lee. Yes, it was it was really, really nice. Um, that's her 30 and old now. So um, I just uh, went up to see her after interviewing Fash there and she's sitting with, you know, the face creams on and she's got the hairspray in her hair and stuff. And I was just like, wow, um, you've turned middle age in the space of a week. But you know what, I, I, she's not listened to the episode I've gave her pelters yet, so I might be divorced by the time that that one comes out. But if we're not, love you, Rachel. And uh, yeah, we had a great time on Hobbit. I think we should move on quickly before you dig a, a bigger hole for yourself <laughs> here. Because we've actually got some football to talk about, some actual on-pitch action for East Fife. They played their first friendly in the season, at least I think it was their first friendly from what I can gather. And it was a, a big and impressive 5-1 win over Stenhouse Muir. And I know you could look at the game and think, well, it wasn't great opposition, it's early days back into it, everything like that. You got to watch it live as a season ticket holder. I just watched the, the highlights on Vimeo this morning. 
give give me what your thoughts were just on the the whole overall performance of it. Yeah, I mean, I think in both halves we started a little bit slow. Um, to begin with, I, I, I thought that Stenhouse Muir looked a bit more up for it than we did. But I, I was saying this to to my dad because I invited my dad over to watch it. I, I don't really feel like we ever got out of second gear. It was kind of like a bit too easy for us. I mean, until we scored the first goal, I mean, Danny Swanson, oh my God, absolute velvet. Um, everything he touched was superb. I mean, that outside of the boot pass oh. um, that he played, I'm sure it was to Ryan Wallace. Um, and it was just like, oh, this is going to be absolutely brilliant. But I mean, it wasn't even just the pass. It was that vision to know that the guy was making the run because everyone else had been kind of pulled towards him. But like the experienced head of him is like, there's a guy making a run here. Beautiful pass. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. And, and Dunsmore finished it off well. You know, he, he seems to find himself in the, the right place at the right time all the time, does, does Aaron. So, yeah, he was, he, was, he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, to be honest, that, apart from maybe Jordan Hart with, with the Stenhouse Muir goal, I don't think that anybody really did anything calamitous. So I think that we could have maybe done a little bit better clearing the ball further away but I mean that the goal that Callum Tappins scored don't get me wrong Scott Agnews was brilliant but Tappins finish for that goal was like a total knuckleball um, I, I think that certainly that wasn't was he really a tapping the... no hey <laughs> he's here all week unfortunately people episode 16 <laughs> um, but no it was, it was an absolutely great finish probably goal in the night um, I mean I know that Agnews was great but I think the keeper could have maybe done a wee bit better for it but it's still a good goal but yeah Apart from that, I think that we played really, really well. If we look at the, the overall performance, you know, we, we pretty much utilised our, our full squad. It mm. was good to see some of the, the younger boys um, getting a run out as well. Um, and I don't think that any of our players particularly looked out of place. Yeah, I'm, I'm only obviously going on the kind of three-minute highlights that, that they put up. Hamilton's goal for the second one, it was good, lovely little curled finish in the bottom corner. Well, not if you're Stephen Mill. Yeah. <laughs> he confused me because I'm watching the highlights and I was like, oh, nice goal. And then he's like, that's wide. I was like, oh, I looked like that had gone in. But yeah. benefit of I think we'll maybe need to use our, our, um, our, our, our recent fundraiser to get Stephen Mill a thicker pair of specs <laughs> so that he make sure that he's on top of the ball for the It didn't look the best visibility out there. So I can totally, and having doing commentary myself here, it's like, it is difficult. And when you've not got a replay coming in the booth either, it's like a lot of the games I've done here, it's like you've not got the benefit of even seeing a screen. You're just looking at what's on the pitch and you've just got to kind of call it. But then Watt got the third. Great work by Denham in the build-up to, to set it up. Agnew's long-range dipper. And then, the yeah, the fifth one, I thought might have been offside. But we don't have VAR, so who cares? Can, can we read too much into it? I don't think that you could read too much into it. I think that the things that we read into is the fitness of the boys. They've obviously kept they looked after themselves. They look so good, yeah. Definitely, yeah, we look very, very sharp. Nobody looked out of place. A player that I've criticised a lot, but I actually thought was excellent when he, he played the second half was Stuart Murdoch. Um, at right back I mean he, he was a catalyst in a couple of goals particularly his movement a couple of cheeky back heels you know I, th- I thought he, he really looked one of the best performances I've seen from him I know that Stephen Mills is a big fan of him um, I've not always been but I'm prepared to eat humble pie he looked excellent um, I thought Craig Watson had a good game Scott Agnew 
you're, you, you know, you're quite right in what you said about Jack Hamilton, the, the physicality of him. You know, mm-hmm. you know, players were trying to badge him off the ball, and he was like, nope, nope, nope. And took his his, his finish really, really well. His movement was excellent. And you know, I, I could be here all day picking out players that, that I thought played well. And I was going to do a three-two-one um, for that game. And I'll be honest with you, it would, it would be a hard one. What looked exciting for me, and obviously I need to see the longer games to, to see it in full flow, but a front three of like Wallace, Hamilton and Swanson, that has the potential to be devastating in this league. Yeah, Ryan Wallace just, you know, he's, he's a player that I really, really like. You know, he, he just, I think that he'll maybe suit his game a little bit better you know, maybe just playing in behind somebody like Hamilton. Because I don't think that Ryan's an out-and-out goal scorer, but he's so creative and he makes some great runs. You know, I I think that, yeah, him and Hamilton have got potential to be excellent together. But do you want to know what? I hope that Hamilton takes the time to learn a lot from Kevin Smith. Because Kevin Smith is sort of a player that could really bring him on similar sort of frame. Um, you know, I think that maybe Kevin's just a wee bit smaller than than Jack, but you know, they certainly could learn a lot from the way that Kevin's played the game over the years. There's a lot to take from it. Obviously, we're going to scoosh the league, get all, all your money on that. Now, uh, caveat, we are not responsible for any bets that, that fail, just to <laughs> get that out of the way. But, I mean, any concerns from you from, from seeing the whole game? It's hard to kind of pick anything at, at this point. First pre-season friendly, they usually don't mean too much anyway. Nah, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, that, I'm, I'll, I'll scale that back just now. I, I have a genuine concern, but it's a nice concern, which is Dan Young's got a headache in squad selection and keeping everyone happy. And that's always the battle for a manager when you've got a talented squad. When you've got a talented starting eleven and a few on the fringes, it's fine because you get these guys a run out. But when you've got depth, like we seem to have this year, utilising them, keeping them match fit, keeping them happy, keeping them switched into what you're doing, that's going to be, I think, his biggest challenge this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, you only had to look at the fact that we played two completely different sides in each half. I mean, like I said, the, the young boys, I thought, were, were excellent. Um, we, we played a, a guy at left back, um, Ewan McCleary, who I think that we've managed to, or looking at signing from, from Kilmarnock, and I thought that he was mm. excellent. Um, you know, he's going to give Pat Slattery a, a run for his money, and I think that Pat's made left back position his own. Um, we had Daniel Church on loan from Celtic last season. He's now a free agent, so I thought the club might have looked at him again. So there's, there's definitely... You want to know what? It's, it's a good time to be an East Fife fan just now. We've got a tough league ahead of us, but you want to know what? It's great to be going into a season and looking up instead of down, or we hope. Yeah, hopefully challenging for playoffs, hopefully challenging for the title. I mean, I, I've put my house on it, which is concerning because I'm renting, so I don't know what my landlord's going to think when he finds that out. The stream... It'll be buzzing when we're in the league. <laughs> oh yeah, it'll be great. I'll have two houses. <laughs> the stream... I saw a few moans on Pine Bovro and on Twitter about uh, some teething issues. I mean, how was it for you? I believe you got a little bit of an update for us uh, about it. Yeah, um, big thanks to, to Laura Anderson um, who reached out to us. But I mean, at about 75 minutes, it went completely down. We lost the whole thing. There was a lot of judders and stuff but you know this was the whole point of it is it's called a test and learn event for a reason you know we've got to this is completely alien to the club and i, and I hope that fans take that 
you know, on board. You know, this is new for us. We're used to streaming overseas, not used to streaming in the UK, and give the club a bit of a break for that. Um, you know, it was, it was a bit disappointing, but, you know, we didn't miss anything, didn't miss any goals. And it was um, an away game as well, so it's not our usual yeah. setup. No, definitely not, but... Um, what um, I'll say is, as I'll read out what Laura got in touch and said, um, Laura said, um, just an update from Tuesday's stream um, when you're reviewing it. From our side, everything worked well up until the 75th minute when we had a short dropout, but we were back up and running within five minutes. I think this was due to trying to do too many things at the same time rather than a connection issue. We're going to have at least one other test and learn event um, and the date and time of that is to be confirmed. So it looks like we're going to get another chance to, to test that out before it happens. Um, she also wanted me to encourage any of the season ticket holders who haven't signed up or haven't received um, their sign up details. Please check your uh, spunk. Uh, your, again, your check spunk your now. spunk. Uh, I think you should check your please spunk. Check your spunk. No. <laughs> please check your, your spam or junk mail. And that's where my details were. So please make sure that you, if you haven't got that, that you contact the club office right away to make sure that your details are up to date because you don't want to be missing out on something that you're paying for, absolutely. Oh, no, totally. So, I mean, it, it was good to see. We've got some more games coming up before everything gets underway. And just talking about when things do get underway, We've talked, obviously, a lot on the show. We won't go too much into it tonight again, but about fans being able to attend and, and stuff like that. So last weekend, I touched on it briefly on last week's show, there was the, the trial at the two premier games of letting select fans in. Now, I know I'm remote and I might have missed this, but I haven't seen any negative outcome from either of those trials. It seems to have gone well. No, but by the sounds of things, it, it went as well as probably as you can hope it can go. But, you know, I've, I've heard things that you can't sing, you can't shout. Yes. You know, it's... A lot of it's involuntary. Because it's like you're watching a game at home and just it's, all of a sudden you go, oh, or whatever. And it's just, it's automatic. And it's instilled in you. I don't know how, well, A, I don't know how you can even police that. There's going to be noise. But... It, if it's going Especially to be like that, but I mean, if like in all seriousness, it's nice to go and watch the games. But if you can't sing, shout, whatever, is it worth doing it? Because it's a silence, and you've got a sanitized experience. And I don't know that that's good for anyone. It's not good for the players. It's not good for the spectators. I, I don't see the issue if you're wearing a mask. I watched a, a thing this week on one of the news things over here and uh, there had been a study of showing how different masks, if you're yelling or coughing or whatever, what gets let out in different areas and shouting is as bad as coughing with how much stuff can actually come out of the mask and then it depends on wind as to where those droplets might go or whatever. And you know there's a lot of Scottish football fans slave or pish so I mean there's going to be tons of droplets going everywhere in a case like that. But in all seriousness, if it is going to be that sanitised, I just, I, is it worthwhile that clubs get money, but it's maybe getting used to it, and then once you are used to it, how easy is it then to flick the switch to going back to shouting again? Because it's like you've had it drummed into you, I can't, can't sing, I can't shout, I can't do this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see how it pans out. But you know, we're we're in the first phases of a trial, and I think that you know we've got to 
give the benefit of the doubt, really, um, that it's going to work out. And it's, you know, these are testing their events as much as, as the other stuff that's going on. So, yeah, we'll see, see if it yeah. goes. Um, fingers crossed. I know Neil Lennon had come out and said he doesn't understand how you can have 18,000 people at NFL games over in America, but he can't have them at Parquet. And it's like, you're talking about America. They've been absolute assholes with this. Why would you want to follow their lead? That just seemed baffling. I know the point he was trying to make, but I just think it was a, a wrong point. But the Premier Clubs, I think, are going to turn the pressure up. And one thing, last thing we'll talk about in this little bit is I've been reading about the Premier Clubs are pushing that lower league teams that are going to be facing them in cup competitions have to do twice weekly testing because it's not fair for their players to be going up against players and they could possibly catch the virus. Not a fan of this at all. A lot of clubs, Kelty, one of them, we're going to be speaking to, to Fash late in the show, Kelty you think's a club that's got a bit of money, but they were making a plea for all lower division clubs like, look, we can't afford this for a one-off game. And clubs are more likely just to say, okay, well, we'll just pull out the cup then, we won't bother playing it. Just, I don't like that at all. But then again, it's, it's like what um, Darren Young said to us before. You know, these players could go into a supermarket and catch it. They can go, you know, take their kids to school and their kids catch it. You know, it just seems to be a bit uh, dick measuring, mm. for lack of a better word. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just like, oh, well, we can afford it. And it's not my problem that you can't. You know, you've got, you've got to try and look at it in a, a more holistical sense that, you know what, you can't afford it. We get that. We just need to trust that none of your players are you know, having any symptoms, just like you're yeah. having to put your faith in humanity and every other walk of life outside of football. My message to the, the Premier teams would be, okay, if you don't want to play this game unless other teams get tested, you're the ones that forfeit because these are the rules, but they don't have to get tested. So if you're wanting to change the rules, then no, you just don't, you don't play. We also had that farcical situation last weekend where St Mirren had three keepers out and they wouldn't call the game off. So the authorities need to be a little bit like more switched on with this as well. I know you don't want fixture congestion, but you can't have a team have to drag in a goalkeeper. Or, but I believe they were originally asked to play an outfield player as their keeper. Because this impacts every team. It could impact East Five. We could have all our keepers out. And then all of a sudden you're told, oh no, Kevin Smith, you're going to have to go and go. Call the game off, for God's sake. Yeah, and let's be honest, you know, I think Jim Goodwin, who, let's be honest, is a bit of a thrower at the best of times, but, you know, he's been very, very vocal in the media that, you know, that if it was Rangers or Celtic, that we're sure that the game would have been postponed. And I, you want to what, 100% agree with Oh, it. totally. Like, Absolutely. 100%. Even Aberdeen or Hibs or someone, it would have been called off, yeah. I'm sure. Rules for some and not rules for none. Look, Tam McManus from a guest on the show and a guy whose opinion that I respect a lot, you know, he said that Jim needs to just lay off it now, that, you know, he's made his point. But, you know, do I think that it would have changed the result in the, the, the game against Hibs anyway? No, I don't. I think that Hibs played them off the park from what I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, there is part and parcel of that. But at the end of the day, they've got to be given a fair crack at the whip. Yeah. Now, last week's show... Went down well. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But it was a bit of a different show because Lee wasn't here. But it meant some of our regular features went in last week's show. But they're back this week. And now it's time for this week's Have You Heard feature. So who have you got lined up for us this week, Lee? 
I'm going to go on a magical mystery tour. Um, so mm. it's not a current band, but I've been excited to see recently that the former lead singer of Sergeant Nicola e. Mercer, um, Nick Mercer, is um, currently working on some new music, and that's taking me down on a, a nostalgical journey. Um, and I've been listening to a bit of Sergeant recently. So, I mean, for anybody that knows me, I was a huge Sergeant fan back in the day, followed them everywhere, you know, really, really loved their stuff. I, I was there when they supported Oasis, I was there when they supported the Pigeon Detectives. I've been, there, you know, I was, I've been at a lot, a lot of their gigs. and you want to know what I said to Nick? I was like, I'm going to play some Sergeant this week and then hopefully we could bring some of his new project in a, a few weeks down the line. So I've gone for a song that was their, their first big release. It's called Sunshine. Um, not something that we're seeing an awful lot just now, but um, I love the lyrics in this song. Really makes me go back to being 17, 18, out drinking with my mates, playing this before we went out. So here it is, this week's Have You Heard Sergeant with Sunshine. Make this energy 
and that was Sergeant with Sunshine. Sergeant do still do the occasional couple of gigs a year. I don't know when their next one will be, but um, for those of you that haven't heard them, they're still on Spotify. You can listen to their debut album, which was absolutely excellent. A lot, a lot of really good tunes. And I mean, I remember introducing them to Michael all those years ago. So yeah, the brilliant, brilliant song comprised uh, uh, of Nicky Mercer, who I mentioned earlier, Bill Anderson, Scott Duncan and Rory Buchanan. Definitely worth a listen. Yeah, great song as well. I can't remember if I ever went to see them. I have in my head I saw them at the Greenside in Leslie, but I don't know if I did or if I had planned to go and I didn't go. But I I remember it was great. You've got a, a Glenrothes band that was getting lots of stuff. And like way back in the day, I had a lot of friends that were in local bands and they, it was hard to get media attention. It was hard to get record companies interested in you because no one cared about five bands. And I, th- I think it's just great that things have changed and the internet, I sound like an old person here, but the internet has really changed things for people. It's just that things can get out a lot more accessible these days. So yeah, I look forward to hearing the, the new stuff and the, the, the new project. And I'm sure you'll be back with another cracker in next week's show, Lee. As always, and if you're interested in featuring your band or if you have any bands that you'd like to recommend to us, feel free to send them along to me. Probably better than send them to me than to send them to Mike because he's a, a busy bee. But um, you find me on Twitter at, at Lee 1903 or just send it to any of the glory days of Gold Accounts. Also, I'm a fiercer music critic than, than Lee. I'm not a fierce music critic-ish. You know, I think that I, I, I just like stuff that's maybe a little bit... Uh, uh, happy music and not some screaming zombie punk slumbunk band from Methyl, you know. Yeah, well, we'll be we'll be coming to wavelength later in the show. But for now, it's time for this week's feature interview, and it, it's with a guy that had three seasons at East Fife. He's made it clear he'll be back one day. I'd love to have him back one day. For now, though, he's plying his trade with another Fife team, Kelty Hearts in the Lowland League who were screwed out of potentially earning a place in the Scottish League last season due to COVID and, I guess, SFE bigwigs. But we'll come to all that over the course of the interview. It's a great chat. I think you'll really enjoy it. So go make your favourite hot beverage, grab a chocolate digestive, sit back, put your feet up and enjoy our chat with Nathan Fash Austin. So absolutely delighted now to say that we're joined by a man who spent three seasons at Bayview. Will we see him in the black and gold again one day? I think a few of us hope so. He scored 43 goals in 107 appearances. One, I had League Two Championship with us in the 2015-16 season. Gone on to do other things since then. We're going to talk about his career, his time at East Fife and a lot more besides today. Welcome to the show, Nathan Fash Austin. Hi guys. One thing, when I was putting the questions together, I just realised just now I never actually put this in the question. So let's kick off with this. Where where does the nickname Fash come from? Comes from um, when I was really young. I think I was about nine or ten, and um, I, I got a complete baldy. And because um, obviously the way I run and the way I play football is in, I've not really got the best touch, and the ball was always away from me. So the football manager just um, nicknamed me Fash, and it stuck and you know it stuck all the way through school and then even even um, some teachers used to call me Fash as well so it's just stuck with me and it's a name that I 
I, I enjoy. So um, I've just kept with it, and only my family members call me Nathan. So everyone else calls me Fash. That's superb. Well, let's go back to where it all started for you. Um, and that's like you moved to Scotland with your family at the age of seven. Now, like moving towns as a as a kid is like hard enough, especially at that age. You've got to meet new friends and everything. Moving countries as well, obviously, adds a, a little bit of extra pressure to it. What brought your, your family up here to begin with? And do you feel you settled in quickly or... Was that a bit of a struggle, kind of just getting used to everything when you first came up here? Well, it was actually my mum. She um, had an old friend who married a, a Scotsman who stayed in Carn then, and um, she actually worked for um, like care home. So it was like it was easy for her to move up because there's care home in Carn then, so it was easier to switch her job. And she visited a friend up here. I think we came up for two weeks during the summer. Um, my mum just loved it, and. Um, Obviously, I, I, I don't know the, the main circumstances back down home, but she wanted to get away and she thought it would be maybe a better life for me and my, my brother. And um, she just brought us up and we moved to Carden Den and we stayed there for a few months before moving to, towards Methyl. But um, yeah, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was okay when we first came up. It wasn't too hard. You know, me and my brother are quite similar ages. So, it was, you know, even if you... I don't think that I struggled to get friends, but even if I did, I don't think I would find it too hard because obviously you've always got your, your brother when you go home to, to obviously play with and bounce off and stuff. So, you know, um, we're still close and we've always been close. So I think that kind of helped as well. Doing the research for this, and I knew uh, this before anyway from when you joined East Five, obviously read a lot about some of the racial abuse that, that you suffered when you were playing youth football and... We're going to talk a bit towards the end of the interview about some of the like Black Lives Matter stuff that's going on just now. But like going back to that time when you're playing youth, it's I mean it's heartbreaking and it's sickening and just sad in general. But when folk are directing it at kids, it's just like baffling and mind blowing to me. And I, I know you were very close to quitting football together. You, you've kind of spoken about that before. But I mean, how close were you, and what convinced you to to basically keep going? Well, just more like, because it was just happening on a regular occasion, it just became to the point where you couldn't really be bothered, you know, I feel like football for me is just all about enjoyment, you know, I, I love football, it's something that I've always loved, but when it comes to a point when you're not enjoying something that you're doing, then, you know, I'm the type of person that there's no really point in doing it anymore, so... It came to a point where I wasn't really wanting to play. Like, I didn't mind training, but, like, on Saturdays, I kind of knew what was coming. So it was like, you know, it came to like that. And then, obviously, my mum picked up on it. And then when she experienced it firsthand, she was the one who was, like, you know, really was, like, more wanting me to quit than myself. And, um, you know, um, my manager at the time, you know, William Wilkie, I've spoke highly of him before. You know, he, he obviously, I'm still really close with him and, he like put an arm on my shoulder and kind of acted like a father figure at the time, just to like you know help me through them tough times. And you know he was there for my mum as well to explain to her and and help. And you know he's a really good role model. And you know that he helped me through it a lot as well. So you know obviously it was a, a tough time, but you know it wasn't. Um, you know I came out stronger at the end there. I mean, was it from the kids you were playing, or was it also coming from like the parents on the sideline? Yeah, um, it was coming from the from the kids a lot and then um, you know that that's when my mum came to watch me and um, I think it was an, an appointment coach and he um, um, said something um, you know really bad and uh, 
know, that's how it, how it got picked up and then that's how it kind of made it to the newspapers and stuff because before, you know, if it's just kids, it's just, you know, your word against his but because obviously they heard um, him say it and it kind of blew up and then that's how it, you know, made it to the papers and stuff and, you know, um, the SFA got involved and spoke to me and stuff like that, Lone Smith and that and it got escalated and highlighted and, you know, it really helped after that. Well, I mean, that's good. Obviously, we are really glad that, that you didn't quit and, I mean, you're playing your football with East Weems under 15s. Then you signed with amateur side, leaving United. At what point, when you were playing as a kid, did you realise that you had what it took that you could play professionally? Um, I, I wouldn't say as a kid I thought I was going to make it professional. You know, I was never. I was always fast and stuff and and good, but I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was. I was one of the best. You know, I was, you know, there's good players from my area like Shawnee Byrne and stuff and. And he was like, you know, miles above um, the level I was at. It was just more like once I got to leaving and, you know, started to mature a little bit, um, you know, I scored a lot of goals for leaving and stuff. And then there's a lot of, you know, good junior teams who wanted to sign me and stuff. And then the East Fife thing kind of came last minute. It was more when Lee Murray took over that, you know, the East Fife really wanted to sign me because obviously the manager, HSN, wouldn't have really known me at the time. So it wasn't really, you know, his signing. It was more because obviously he knows it, he knew the area and obviously must have seen me play or whatever. So that's how it kind of came about. But it was never like a moment when I start, when I was playing football, I thought, oh, I'm going to become a professional football player. Because obviously once you make it to amateur, then you know, there's just really small chance that you're ever going to you know, progress any further than maybe junior. So um, no, it wasn't a moment I really thought, oh, I'm going to make it or after a game or after the season or something. It kind of came quite quick and it took me by surprise at the time. I mean, I know a lot of like young guys because you're playing your own football at the weekend. You maybe don't often get to as many games as some of the rest of us did when we were kids. But I mean, who did you grow up supporting? I guess first of all in England before you came up here, and then did you go and watch any games up here? Did you go and watch East Five, or did you have any particular footballing heroes that you aspired to be like? No, no. When I was down in England, it was. Um... Manchester United because that's who my big brother supported at the time but you know I never really got to watch them and stuff and then when I came up because I was younger we played at 10 um, I used to go and watch Norton Hoos who played at Leavens pitch and that's who William Wilkie used to play for when he was um, younger so that was his team and then I was good pals with his son Mark Wilkie at the time so we used to go after our games to go and watch him and it was amazing you know I loved it um, that's you know the, the Martin Grehan and stuff you know, players like that who were absolutely brilliant and they were amateur players as well at the time and obviously he, I think he went to Partick or something after that. You know, really good players, um, Charles Scarborough and stuff like that. So um, that's the type of players I got to watch and, and you know, on the rare occasions, um, got down to East Fife the occasional game but um, I didn't get to watch too many games East Fife but when I did, I, you know, I loved the atmosphere and, and stuff like that. It was amazing. So, um, but no, when I was younger, it was, it was mostly Norton House and, they turned into leaving after Norton House collapsed, so that was my team. So you could call a BS on this one, but I heard obviously rumours that you'd had a trial at Dundee United. Was that true? Um, when I played for, I think it was when I played for Scotland Youth, Easter Scotland Youth, when I was about 13, 14. Um, when I played for them, they Dundee United come to watch me play and, and wanted me to sign. But obviously my mum didn't drive at the time and you know, I mentioned them again, William Wilkie used to actually take me to training to them. So it wasn't really it wasn't really feasible for me to, to do stuff like that. I had them um, a couple of weeks at Rangers as well when I was younger, but 
you know, traveling that free to Glasgow twice a week when your mum doesn't drive isn't really, you know, sustainable or possible. So um, then things kind of just, just didn't really happen. Yeah. So I think I mentioned to you when we were chatting before, but my, my father-in-law's heavily involved in Thornton Hibs. And I remember him saying to me, like, Thornton haven't got a game. We need to go down and watch Leaving United. You need to see this boy Fash. And I'm like, all right, okay. He's like, how don't his fife know about him? He's on their doorstep. How, how haven't they come in for him? So I went in to watch it. It was in a, a cup game. I think it was one of the seasons that you had a pretty good run in the cup. And the first, like, sort of 15 minutes, he was quiet. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, you were quiet. I was like, I don't know. He's great shakes. He's no great shakes. Then next minute, boom, hat. It's like a hat trick in like 15 minutes. I was like, Jesus Christ. Then I saw you play for Scotland boys um, at Bayview as well. Again, my father-in-law took me down. He said that um, Craig Gilbert at Thornton Hibs had tried to sign you umpteen times, but you were just more sort of interested in playing with your mates. Was, that just, was it that sort of reason you just didn't want to take the, the step up sooner? Yeah, I think so. I think like uh, it was never really like when I was younger. When I when I first like um, started playing for Lever, I was really young. Um, it was just more like this because uh, under 19s, I, I played like two years above. I think I was 16 under 19s. So then when my friends were too old for that, it was like I didn't really want to play under 19s again. So I thought I'd take a step up. But it was never thought I'd I'd play because obviously the physical aspect of playing against men. So I never thought like I would be as good. No, no, like a doubt, but just like you didn't know how it would pan out. It was more like a, taking a chance to go and play amateur at that at that young age. But um, yeah, I just I just really enjoyed playing with my friends. I still do, you know. Like football's all about enjoyment at the end of the day. So you know, um, at leaving, you know, I still still got friends to to this day. You know, I go and watch him in my free time or whatever the case is. My little brother, that's who he plays for at the moment as well. Leaving, so you know, it's a big club for me, and you know, I love them. Just, just like uh, I love his wife as well, so you know, um, it was uh, it was it was an easy. It wasn't really a hard decision to go. Oh, I'm going to play junior for X amounts. Whatever it was, more like just go and play and enjoy and just just love football. So that's how how it came about. You mentioned them already, but I actually played um, Sunday league with with Mark and Paul Wilkie, two two absolutely yeah. great guys. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Mark's a, a special case. That boy, honestly, is an oh, absolute rocket. He's so, a rocket. <laughs> he's an absolute rocket. He was, absolutely he was brilliant when I was younger. He was a really he still is a good football player. But you know, when I was younger, when I was talking about people being better than me, he was a better football player than than what I was. So it was uh, yeah, he's still a good I mean, friend. Obviously, at, at my level, like Mark stood out like a, a sore thumb. But I think that he'd, he'd had quite a lot of injuries, though. But I, mean, I remember he, he was getting kicked about the park, and it, and it was a free kick, and I'm not exaggerating. It must have been about 35 yards out, and he was just so pe- I'll just say it, pissed off. He just <laughs> smashed it in the top corner, ah. and I was like, I was like, I shouldn't even be on the same pitch as this boy. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to absolutely yeah, won. Yeah. Um, they could probably cut that out because nobody else will be interested in that. But I <laughs> say, anyway, um, so obviously you, you eventually got your, your move to East Fife, and you said that Lee Murray was sort of instrumental in that. But how did you how did you hear about the interest? Did Lee sort of just come knocking on your door, be like, "Do you want to come and play for us?" Or how did that? It was that. Um, it was more I, I, at the end of that season. I think I finished like seventy odd goals or whatever it was, and I had lo- I had a lot a lot of junior teams who wanted to sign me and stuff. And then Kennaway Star had just started up their junior team. And uh, obviously I knew it, Davison and stuff. So I started training with them and I played a couple of games like friendlies. And I played against these five. I think I played in the Nubra Cup. I think they had a 20s team or something. And I scored a hat-trick against these five. So um, manager at the time, Dougie Head, 
he he didn't really want me to sign for Stry. He thought I was better than that. So he contacted Lee, and then Lee obviously heard about me playing against East Fife and stuff. And then it just happened quick because um, you know I had a job at the time, but East Fife had went hybrid with a two days full time, two days part time, and Dougie heard who I worked for let me keep my job in terms. Of I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I was allowed Monday, Friday off to play full time East Fife. So. You know, they worked out a deal between, you know, Lee and Dougie in terms of, you know, helping me both out. So it was good, yeah. It was good. It happened really quick. It wasn't in terms of it happened uh, over a bit of time. It happened really quick and, um, you know, I'm delighted it did happen. There's always that sort of like extra pressure when you sign for like your, your hometown club. Did, did you ever feel that? Did you... Did you... Did you think, like, you obviously I'm representing sort of Methyl leaving Fife in itself by playing for East Fife? And what about your family? Like, what did it sort of mean to them to, to sign for your first pro team? Yeah, my mum was my mum was absolutely delighted. She was buzzing. She thought I'd, I'd made it, and that was it. But in terms of myself, I, it's a weird one because I, I, it was like I, I, I had like I didn't I didn't know at all what it was going to be like. I didn't know if I was going to play, if I was going to get a sniff, if I was just going to be playing reserves, if I you know. It, it was weird and I didn't know any any players. I only know Sony from the era and he was such a good player. And like, when you know, when you go, usually when you sign for a team or whatever, you, you know, you know, like of what kind of level you're at. In terms of me, it was like a total shot in the dark. I didn't know at all what it was like and it was really hard to get like used to training and that. And I was, I was really nervous at, at the start and, you know, I probably didn't really grow into it until, you know, maybe my second season. As in the first season, it was just more like I was surprised to be there, and nervous around training and stuff. And then after that, I was I was able to relax and you know enjoy it a bit more. So in, in your first season, then twenty two appearances, scoring four goals, um, sort of a handful of cup appearances in there as well. So how do you look back at that first season? Then I mean, you were nineteen, so it was it's obviously going to be a big jump up coming from the amateurs. I mean, I, I remember watching you a lot that season, and it was just more. I think you weren't used to not having as much time on the ball. Like that would that was from the outside looking in. That's what it looked like. Where it when I watched your amateur, you know, you, you were able to take the piss out of the boys with ease. But it was just maybe that jump up and then maybe that little bit a lack of composure. Obviously, with a bigger crowd watching you, did you feel that or did you think that it was just something else? Yeah, like like I said, I just felt nervous like constantly in terms of like you know like you're not gonna like when you're going down to to like to the stadium knowing that you're probably not going to start and we weren't really having the best of season after the start and thinking you know we're going to maybe come on with 15 minutes to go and need to try and score a goal or you know you're going to be under a lot of pressure and it just didn't really it just didn't really sit well it was it was a bit weird and I, did, I just didn't I couldn't settle and you know um, I think my first goal I remember that it came against our growth and in that game I, I I tore my ankle ligaments as well, so you know it was a bit, a bit of a setback after I, I thought I, you know I'd done a little bit well, but um, no, the first season, you know, I needed it in terms of you know playing and, and getting used to it, but it was you know it was hard to take in terms of the, the first season I came in, we, we actually got relegated, so it was a bit you know it was gutting at the end, but you know it helped me progress and make me who I am now. So yeah, it was kind of you know, happy it happened, but no. How did you find the jump from amateur to, to to the senior game? Did did you feel like it was as big as you thought it would be? Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it'd be I thought it'd be really big, and it was. You know, in terms of 
when I played amateur, I had maybe like five, six chances in terms in terms of chances to score a game. And then, you know, when I, when I jumped to the senior game, it was like you need to work really hard just to get a half chance or even a sniffing at a chance. And it wasn't just about scoring goals, you had to play well as well in terms of holding up the ball and stuff like that. In terms of when I played leaving, it wasn't about how well I was on the ball, it was about how many goals I can score. But then, like, as a, you become a professional football player, and as a striker, you need to be much more than just you know, scoring goals. You need to be better in terms of the all-round play of being a player. So, you know, that definitely changed. And, you know, it was a big jump at the start and I struggled, um, struggled for a wee while. But, you know, I got I got used to it and I managed to get a little bit better. When you, you did make your competitive debut, we're basing this on Wikipedia, which we found in previous shows. It's not always 100% accurate, as Lee will testify. Yeah, but it, it looks like I'll you came on. Right or wrong. 85th minute sub, Challenge Cup game against Alloa. Is that right? No. No. It was up at Fofa, I think. I wow. think it was up at Fofa in the... I think it was in that cup, in the Challenge Cup, but I'm sure it was against Fofa. You need to get your Wikipedia page changed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's doing it. It's not me anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the yeah, debut, when you made your debut there, I mean, what 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 was going through your your head that day? It's like you've been playing, you've come through, you're now playing first team football for a, a professional team. I mean, what were you thinking? I I remember just thinking that I want I was going to score. Like in my head, I was like, just like imagine the ball just falls to me, I just it just goes in. I'm like, it's going to be amazing. I was like, and I think I actually did have a shot in that last five minutes and it didn't go anywhere near going in. But in my head, I thought, this is going to go in and I'm going to, I was like, in my head, I was like, how am I going to celebrate this goal? I was like, take the top off. I was like, is there enough fans to take your top off? Do you run to the dugout? Do you knee slide? No, you can't knee slide. It's on the asteroid. I didn't come what I'm going to do. And then I didn't score anyway, so it didn't really matter. But in my head, I was like, thinking all these things. And it just... It was just went. It was it was five minutes, but it felt like five seconds. So it went over really quick, and um, I think we got beat actually. I, that's superb. It's like I'd be exactly the same. Not that I was anywhere near skillful to play for any team like that. But if I was getting a chance like that, I'd be the same. I'd be like, I'm going to score. Oh, what should I do? How can I celebrate? I mean, you, you did get your first goal. You touched on it against our broth, and it was a match winner. So I mean, that's the that's the way to get your first professional goal. Which again, according to Wikipedia, is our growth in January 2014. Yeah, that was correct. I, I, I actually remember the goal so well because I got the ball on the edge of the box and I turned and I scuffed my shot and it went underneath the goalie. And um, I was thinking to myself, that's the only way I was ever going to get my first goal was being a goalkeeper mistake or hit off my shin or I scuffed it. And it was a scuff and a keeper mistake as well. So, yeah, um, I was absolutely delighted because we were struggling at the time as well. And... Um, I think I started the game, I got man of the match, and then that's the that's the game I tore my ankle ligaments. And I remember I got interviewed after the game and I was like nervous and I'm like, eh, eh, eh. And then he was like, what about next week? Do you think you're going to be fit? And I was like, yeah, I'll be fit. And I was out for about six weeks. <laughs> we had Rangers next week and I didn't get to play at Ibrox. So, yeah, it was a bit cutting. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was tough after that, to be fair, because I thought when I, when I came back from the injury, I'd be like, because I'd scored the winner, I'd be like straight back into the team and I'll be, you know, I'd scored so I'd be flying again and obviously that's not how it works. So, yeah, it was a bit, it was tough. I mean, you, you touched on the, the first season there and it's like your second season, you certainly came out all guns blazing. But that first season, obviously you're new to the club, 
Willie Aitchison was there. We won't delve too much into Willie. We've done that on previous shows. Stevie Campbell completely ripped into what he thought uh, of Willie Aitchison. So we, we won't go there with you. But there's a managerial change. You've got a legend then that takes over in, in Gary Naismith. He's played at the top levels, so much experience. How do you feel your game then developed under him? Like, What did he kind of teach you about what it took to make it in the game? I feel like he really liked me as a player. Like he really like, obviously in training and stuff, he'd seen me because he came in like a, a month or two before, you know, um, Willie got sacked. So like, it's really good when a manager like likes you and like straight away, you know, you're speaking to me and trying to coach me and stuff and just trying to make me a better football player in terms of technically, you know, I think he realised that, you know, I was always going to be okay at scoring goals and finishing and running and hitting the ball, but it was more in terms of like link up play and you know just becoming a better football player. And I feel like you know he helped me massively. I've got you know that much respect for him, and you know he um, really helped me in terms of making it as a football player. So you know he was he was brilliant for me, and you know I think he was good for the club as well. You talked about how you kind of grew between season one and season two. That second season, fourteen goals, thirty eight overall appearances. You got your first hat trick for the club, which was against three Rovers. First of all, where is your hat-trick ball? I guess you got to keep it. And if you did, where is it? It's actually in the shed. The wee one plays with it. What? Wee one likes to play with it. So, yeah. I'd have that in a glass case. I know. I've, I, I'm not sentimental about, about my match balls. You know, I've given a few to, away to charity and stuff. And, you know... Um, you know, I'm not I'm, like it's not like um, I'm gonna sit there when I'm older and look at them or whatever. You know, I know what I've done in terms of stuff and like that. So I'm not like um, you know, if people what stuff for charity or whatever. You know, I'm quite I'm quite good in terms of that feel. So I've give a, I've give a few away. You know, I've scored a few hat tricks. I don't know if I've even got any balls left. I've only got that one, I think. So I need to try and find the rest. So um, yeah, the wee one's got it's deflated now as well, but all the signatures are still on it. So. Yeah, it's um, it's one of the old my older mitre balls as well. So they were, really, oh, I love them balls as well. So they were really good. Yeah, I mean that that game getting that hat trick. In fact, that whole second season, it's like, how were you feeling about yourself at, at that point? Did you think, you know what? I think I'm getting better and better. There's no ceiling for me here. I can maybe move up a, another level here. The second season, although the numbers were good, it, did, it didn't really start off because, you know, the first, like, six months, I, I feel like I struggled because, um, you know, the gaffer brought, Gary Naismith brought in McShane and made him number nine. So it kind of, I felt like I'm going to be second again, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm not going to be, like, no, obviously the main man, but I'm not going to be high up as him because obviously it came for, I think, Hamill at the time. And then, like, halfway through the season, it just wasn't working in terms of, me and him, we were just uh, we weren't we weren't scoring goal, enough goals, and then I think the gaffer brought in Ola Adiego, and I was I was close to you know maybe maybe going maybe going back junior or amateur because I just thought you know my chance had maybe gone, and I, rem- I actually remember the game it was um, Albion Rovers away, and Ola came in, and you know he didn't really have a good first half, and then I came on and played really well, scored a goal. And then I just kicked on from there. That was it. It wasn't really the whole season. It was more from that moment. I feel like that was the, the defining moment in terms of me making that ace five was was maybe that was that game. You know that that goal because um, I feel like I just got better and better after that. In terms of before that, you know it was a real struggle. 
I mean, I remember I signing Ola Adeyemo and a few of my friends that are Dundee United fans are like, what a player. And I thought he was absolutely guff. I don't think he <laughs> kicked a ball for us. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't the catalyst in your decision to leave because I'd have been absolutely gutted had that been the case. But look, your, your, your third season happened. There's so much to talk about in that. Um, let's start, obviously, 16 goals and 25 appearances by January. Two hat-tricks. What was it that clicked? What was it that was just like, right, okay, nailed this? I just I felt like I just I was just getting better, you know, in terms of like the season ended, I didn't really want it to end, I wanted to keep going. So when the season ended, I didn't really like take that much time off, you know. When I came back I was I was flying in terms of like the pre season games. I think played a few and I, you know, scoring goals, I was sharp, I was feeling good. It was more in terms of like not taking a break, in terms of just keep going and keep keep trying to get better. I felt like that helped a lot because when I came back, I felt like I was maybe 20-30% ahead of the boys in terms of fitness and in terms of sharpness. And then, you know, I carried it on in terms of the start of the season. I started the season really well. And I just, at that time, I just thought, you know, when when, when you get to a point where you feel like disappointed when you don't score in a game, I feel like that's when you when you, when you feel you're good enough and you feel like you're, you're, you're doing the right things, you know. When it came to the point when I was at East Fife and I was coming off the pitch and maybe hadn't scored, but we'd still won, I feel a bit disappointed in my own performance in terms of, you know, I was good enough to score goals in every game. So that's, you know, that's what I, I was aiming for. And that's when I started to be more happy in terms of my game. And I thought, you know, I could maybe go to a higher level. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that because I was reading recently, there was an interview with Rud van Nistelrooy and you said you're a Man United fan. So, I mean, he literally used to speak about where even if Man United blitzed the team 4 or 5 now, if he didn't score, apparently didn't talk to anybody on the way home, wasn't happy, even if he hadn't put the ball I mean, in. No, I'm not that bad. Yeah. I wasn't that bad. It was more in terms yeah. of just like, I'd come home with like, good win and that, and then I'd just like, probably missed three chances a day if he'd have scored. It's annoying. But it's annoying. That's, that's a, especially that's when you're mentality. trying to be a goal scorer. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, I'm still like that now, but you can, you'd come home and you'd see someone who'd scored in the and going for the for the top goal score, you're like, oh, oh no, he's got four goals for Kelly today. <laughs> 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 must must be shy, yeah. Um, so, Struggle. And any striker that's scoring goals like that, you're going to have a lot of attention from the higher leagues. So there must have been a lot. I mean, from fans, we heard Aberdeen, Motherwell, Dundee. How much actual, genuinely, sort of concrete interest did you hear of from those teams? And how was it that Falkirk became the team that he chose? Well, the Motherwell one wasn't, because um, I played like probably one of my best games for East Fife was against Motherwell. Um, we got beaten the bit, Fred, but, I, you know, I played really well that game. And, um, you know, that was that just started that talk. It was never really anyone spoke to me. The Aberdeen one was was more like, they were asking how much East Fife wanted and stuff and they wanted to speak to me and that. But I didn't really want to move away, if I was being honest. You know, I like to be at home. So, you know, I was still young at the time. I didn't really want to be moving away. So I wasn't really, I wouldn't say I was that in, more that interested, but they weren't like as interested as the other two clubs. You know, Dundee were, were really interested, um, but they weren't really willing to pay the, the money East Fife were asking. And then... Falkirk kind of seemed like the best one in terms of that was the gaffer's first manager, you know, Gary Naismith's first manager. Pete Houston had never paid for a player in his um, whole uh, managerial career. So, you know, him wanting to spend money on me seemed like, you know, he really obviously really liked me and stuff. 
And then obviously Falkirk doing really well in the Championship, maybe going into the Prem, seemed more appealing in terms of, I didn't think I would play if I went to Aberdeen or maybe Dundee, so I thought I'd more have a better chance at, at Falkirk to maybe progress and, and play more because I didn't want to go to somewhere and go back out on loan or go to somewhere and not play like what I had to do at East Five. So I just wanted to go and just hit the ground running in terms of just keep playing and just keep firing all cylinders. So, yeah, in terms of other clubs interested, there was a, like a few clubs interested, but none really got down to the point of putting a bid in or you know stuff like that. But um, yeah, Falkirk seemed like the best choice at the time. When you were doing well at East Fife, I spoke to the guy that's the head coach of Vancouver Whitecaps over here in MLS. So they were looking at you as a potential signing to come over to MLS. Did anyone ever reach out to you or anything? Nah, not at all. Nah, I had I heard some actually speculation about that, but um. It was nothing, nothing ever came of it or like no one came to speak to me or anything about it. It was just more rumours rather than because We had Gordon, Gordon Forrest was the assistant coach at Vancouver. Yeah, I know him well because I know him well from when I was younger because I used to play for Fife. So, yeah, he's at Dundee United now, I think. Yeah, he was at Hearts, well, he, yeah he's at Hearts now. Um, so, yeah, I'd spoken to him about it as well. So, he was watching all your game tapes and stuff. So... We were pushing for you because we knew we were going to lose these five. So, so if you're going to leave these five, you may as well come over to my other team. <laughs> yeah, I would have, <laughs> I would have definitely have uh, accepted the idea. Slightly more glamorous than Gelty. Yeah. Ah, well. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Would you have been up for a, a move to Canada? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, it depends what like the, the, the situation was. It depends what they were, you know, willing Willing to no, <laughs> no maybe, that. maybe a wee bit, maybe a wee bit. No, but in terms of like, you can like when you're talking about a player, like I'm from like what is what's going to happen? Am I going to go there? Going to they willing to move my family over there? Am I, am I getting a house over there? You know what happened? Am I getting time away to come home? Like stuff like that needs to be talked about when you're talking about a player. It's not in terms yeah. of just like I'm going to sign for Vancouver and then move there next week. Like what happens with stuff like that? Now, a lot of people, you know full of football maybe not realise stuff like that you know there's a lot of things that go in the background in terms of when you're signing for a team you know so like if if, if everything was right then I, I don't see why I wouldn't but you know it would have to be a lot of a lot of things to be right in terms of you know my family going to be, be able to come over and stuff like that so I, I don't know so mm. it, obviously it's in hindsight now but um, no, obviously would have listened to what they had to say yeah you would never have got a, given a house here because they cost over a million dollars. So I can't well, afford a house here. I don't mean I don't mean in terms <laughs> of giving a house. I just mean that we're gonna get like a, a place to stay. You know, like a, oh, did they give you, know, you like that? Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. That stuff like that, you need to you need to know. So yeah, what was Gary Naismith saying to you at this time? Because I mean, obviously, like you know, if, if Gary Naismith told me he wanted to read me the phone book, I would sit down and listen. He's just got that sort of gravitas, that sort of energy that you know you just want to listen to what he's got to say. Did he tell you, you need, look, you need to go get yourself an agent? Did you already have an yeah. agent? Yeah, so at the time, like, I started the season really well. I think, I scored the, I think it was maybe after the, the hat-trick against Montrose. You know, um, there's a lot of people talking and stuff. And then he pulled me into, into the, his office and he was just like, look, Fash, you, you, you're, you're probably not going to be here forever. You need, you need to get an agent and stuff. And obviously, I didn't know... What was what was going on, or what the case was, and he gave me a few people's numbers who wanted to contact me, who had contacted the club agents, who had contacted the club to contact me. So I met up with a few and just went with the, the person who I thought was right at the time, and you know I'm still with him today, so he's, he's been good to me. So 
yeah, it was, um, you know, it was a strange time because I'd never been in that situation in terms of, I've always just like, just been simple in terms of played amateur and then went to these five because it was like just these five. It doesn't really matter what the, what they're offering you or what whatever it was. It was these five. But in terms of when I started to get better at these five, it became a bit more complicated and stuff like that. So I needed to get an agent and Gary Naismith helped me in that as well. That's great. And glad to hear that. Obviously, he did sort of steer in the, the right direction. When we spoke to him, uh, we spoke to him early on in doing the podcast. He spoke so highly of you. Um, so it's, it's good to see that that sort of relationship's clearly reciprocated. So you, you got to, to stay at East Fife on loan for the rest of that season. So how important was that to you? Or were you just sort of desperate to go to Falkirk at that point to get the chance to play there? Nah, it was never the case of desperate to go at all. I felt like Sometimes in games I'd be stopping and be like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't really want to leave. You know, it was more like I didn't, I didn't want to leave. Like it was, it was weird because I had to go to training at Falkirk and, you know, um, Falkirk. The last like two weeks before we won the league, Falkirk let me train with East Fife on a Tuesday, whereas before I'd only be allowed to train on a Thursday. And then even after we won the league, I just carried on training with East Fife on a Tuesday because I, I, I just. I don't know. I, I just because they were, they became the point where you, they're your friends. Yeah, when you've won the league and you've you've been through quite a lot, you know, like Kevin Smith, still good friends with him and and stuff like that. So that no, was never the case. I was desperate to go. It was more a case that I was um, I didn't really want to leave, especially you know after the high we we'd left on. I, I kind of wanted to you know push myself on and we five in League One, but obviously that had that had um, that had gone. So yeah, it was a bit um, it was a bit gutting when I left, but. You know, it was what I had to do. I don't think that any East Fife fan will, will grudge you that move. Um, there's, there's not a single one that will. And it's very similar position to obviously Anton Dowd's worst just now is, you know, you get a player, you love him, but then equally we understand that, you know, we're a part-time club and if you're yeah. an ambitious guy, you know, you want to take your career as far as you can take it. And we totally appreciate that. So you ended up getting yourself a, a place in, in folklore um, and you, you got a, a select group of players that has won a championship with the club. So what's your memories of that season and obviously winning the, the title with us? Uh, it was just, it was, it was just amazing. But like I said before, we didn't really start that well. You know, I think it was about Christmas time, I think I, uh, I scored a hat-trick against Sterling and we were still maybe like four points off the lead or something and people were totally writing us off in terms of are we going to go for the playoffs and that and then, you know, we, we, we just, it was more like a case of like we weren't winning games rather than we were getting beat. It was just like maybe like silly draws or something at home and stuff. But we always thought that we were, we were good enough to win the league, especially after the year before in terms of we weren't that good and we still made the playoffs. And then obviously after you play each other, all the other teams, you, you cut your like, well, there's no one in the league who's, you know, better than us or whatever the case is. So we were always, I feel like, confident in terms of winning the league. But it was more in terms of when, when we kicked on, other teams kind of faded a little bit. You know, like Elgin, you know, we had a massive game up there. And um, I think we won 3-1. And if they had won, I think they went ahead of us. And we won and went four, four points ahead or three points ahead or whatever it was. And, you know, after that game, that's when it kind of set set in now, you know, it's, it's ours to lose and though we are the best team in the league kind of thing. So it, it was an amazing season and, you know, um, some of the some of the players we had, you know, Kyle Wilkie at the time, who was amazing and, you know, Stevie Campbell and, you know, it was brilliant and the gaffer as well, who played, played brilliant as well. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just pure enjoyment the whole time. Everyone was buzzing at training and, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. 
What was it like playing up front with Paul McManus? That must have been brilliant. The guy's a lunatic, and we know he's a lunatic. <laughs> but but, but yes. what a player. Wow. He just stays around the corner for me as well. I didn't even know. If I knew that, I wouldn't have moved here. So, um, nah, he's are, a brilliant guy. Are you guy. in Glenn Loftus now, yeah? No, he stays in Leaven. He stays in Leaven. So he just oh, I, thought he was, I thought he was Pachuca. No, no, he stays so, in Leaven. So, um, that must mean that you, brilliant. Ali Mitchell, and Paul McManus must stay near each other then. Because yeah, Ali, Ali Mitchell, yeah, former East Fife player and former Kilmarnock yeah, yeah. player, Paul said he stays around the corner from him. So must be like footballer's row. Is this the, the methyl equivalent to Mayfair <laughs> then? Is that what has happened? Nah, uh, I wouldn't well. <laughs> so, <laughs> nah, Paul, was, Paul was brilliant for us in terms of he came in and settled it down because once it, you know, once you're about to win the league, it, like the pressure you know, personifies a little bit. And, you know, I think the gaffer realised that, you know, we're uh, quite a young squad, like a few young players. And, you know, Paul came in at a really good time in terms of, you know, in training, he was he was good and he settled us down and he talked and he'd obviously, you know, been there, done that. And, you know, he's such a good player in terms of, you know, maybe the last 20 minutes coming on and, and settling in the game when you're maybe 2-1 up or whatever the case was. So, no, he was brilliant for us. And in terms of, like, he's just such a funny guy. So you're just constantly relaxed and you're laughing around him. And uh, uh, if you've never been in his presence, and you should, because he's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. Well, you said that you're not sentimental. So where's your league titles medal? And if you're not sentimental, can I have it? I think I should have got in early with that. I, I think I think they might be in the loft. I think they might be what my loft. My mum's got the ones that we got on the pitch. My mum's yeah. got them framed, and I've got a big box of stuff because I won quite a lot that year. So I've got a big box. Of, I've got a big box what? in the in the attic. So uh, no, nah, you can't have that. You can't have that one. Sorry. <laughs> so you said that people ask for them. Last you, know, you can have his. You can have his. Last <laughs> you can have his. <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get it. So if you ever need a discounted phone contract, Nathan, I'm your man. Don't you worry about that, right? Um, so just to obviously wrap up your these five part of your career, then what would you say is the best goal you scored for the five? And can you talk us through it? I think I think my goal at Hamden was really good. Um, the ball got played in for a throw, for a throw and I think someone flicked it on and uh, um, I mind I've cut inside the box and I go on my right foot and then I cut back onto my left and then the guy thinks I'm going to shoot and then I cut back onto the right and then I hit it with my right because I never score on my right so, and then it, it goes in and I think it was a big goal in the game I think it made it 2-0 or something as well and then I found out after the game there was a couple of teams watching me as well so it was uh, yeah it was good it was really good and before we finish on these five I'd just like to say Stevie Campbell was the man as well for me. He was amazing. No, because I didn't drive at the time. Sometimes we had to train. We trained at Harriet Watt in the winter. And, you know, I'd used to get maybe a lift to Glen office and he'd take me in and stuff. And, you know, he was, he was amazing, especially through some of the bad times as well. So he's such a, a legend that he's five and a legendary guy. And um, I couldn't say anything without mentioning him because he's a, he's a good guy. No, we, we've got a lot of time for Stevie as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've listened to his episode, but that was yeah. that was a really, really enjoyable one. And, and I've known Stevie <laughs> for, for years and years. Um, oh, what a boy. But, yeah. What a boy. So I'll, I, I must admit, my favourite thing about that episode was just sticking the boot into Willie Ageson. It was absolutely oh. hilarious. Absolutely pulled no punches. And I'm raging that Michael said that we're only going to ask you well, about all right. I, I definitely I, was going to. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got a question then about Willie Ageson. So you've come to your first professional club and you're thinking, oh, I'm in the pros now. And then you've got this guy that folk like Stevie Campbell are thinking, 
what the fuck's going on here? I mean, what what was that time like? I mean, what what did you think of, of Willie just in a, as a boss? You can be honest. Obviously, I had the respect for him because obviously he he brought me in. Yeah. But then, like early on, it kind of like it came, it came clear that the players didn't agree with anything he was saying. Like, <laughs> no, I think, no. like we, went, we played like one of the first games was I remember was we went through to we were playing the Rangers at Ibrox and we'd worked on like maybe like a four five one a week, and then we just signed Robbie Nielsen at the hotel. And then he puts on a 3-5-2 on the board with Robbie Nelson in the middle where he's never played in like six months. And we're like 3-0 down after five minutes. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sitting there with 45,000 fans like, what the... And then like, Stoney, who's a good mate of mine at the time, and still is a good mate, who's a captain, he's calling all sorts. And I'm like, I didn't even care what's going on here. Kind of like, I'm just a young boy just signed him. He's all giving him shit. He's meant to be my manager. I think about today, <laughs> and then like it just got worse. It just got worse in terms of like, kind of you'd be warming up around the around the back of the pitch and that, and it was just everyone, you know, twenty players just saying, "He's fucking useless. And he's shy, and what's he doing?" And I, I should be picking the team. And oh wow, it just became a bit. You know, it was inevitable that he was going to get sacked because he just wasn't doing good enough. I said, that's... You imagine being Gary Naismith, you've played for David Moyes, right? yeah. you've played for Alex McLeish, Walter Smith, and you get in front of Willie H and you must go, surely the fuck I could be better than here. Surely. Well, he went, to be fair, Gary, Gary Naismith kind of, like, didn't suck up his ass a bit, but Gary, like, obviously wanted the coaching role in terms of, like, he was at that time of his career, that, so he wasn't, like, one of the people, like, completely slating him, because he played it smart in terms of, like, he was close to Willie when he got sacked, so then he, he like, stepped up. So he wasn't what he wouldn't he wouldn't like walk around the pitch and say he's useless. So he was so like Gabby played the smart game, is that what yeah. you're saying? <laughs> Teacher's pet. Uh, and Robbie Nielsen's <laughs> taste in music was horrendous. He played this funky jazz music in the change room and he had the choice of the music. I don't know why. And when he left, it was no good in terms of he was a good player, but his music taste. Wow. Shocking. Funky jazz music after the game. That's something we, we should here. do, Lee. It's like we should start to talk about folks' musical stuff because I've done that out here in Vancouver with a lot of the guys over the years. Like the, the thing like, I, over here, um, I do media stuff over here, and in MLS, it's weird because you're actually allowed to go into the dressing rooms after the game. All right. Uh, which for folk that come over from the UK, if they don't know that, then all of a sudden, fifty minutes after the final whistle, all the media come in and they're like. <laughs> what the fuck? Because that, that, we had Barry Robson here for a while and he didn't know this was going to happen. And then he's getting changed and then we're all walking in and he's like naked and he's just like <laughs> looking at us. Going, wow. But you get to hear the music that's played and we have a lot of like uh, South American guys here and it's all this South American, like uh, Spanish music and you're like... Music's massive if... in terms of the change room. Like, it's a big, it's a big yay or nay. I was thinking... Uh, you pick? Yeah, name. but who, who would like if you were picking like say three artists that you would want to get you fired up for a, for a game? Who would you go? See, with? I like I like more like dance music to get me fired up. But I like all genres of music, so I'm not like a music discrimination type of person. So I listen to anything. But in terms of when it comes to football, I like something a bit you know perk me up. I like dance music, someone where I could beat or a bit of house music. But can't be listening to funky jazz when you're trying to play a game of football. You know that's not gonna that's maybe getting you ready for. 
a bit of vava voom in the bedroom, but that's not getting you ready for the <laughs> <laughs> all, all I could hear in my head is, do you know an anchor man when uh, one Burgundy gets the jazz out of the bar? Oh, was it like that? It was like that. You can imagine him with his hair absolutely slick back, <laughs> just standing there with a pal, his funky jazz on, getting his all, all his like, creams and that on, his hair all absolute Vaseline on it with funky jazz music. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, Robs, come on. Let's pack it up. Let's, let's pump it up a bit. And to be fair, who, who spent more time looking at themselves in the mirror, Robbie Nielsen or Stevie Campbell? Ooh. Stevie loves his selling on. I'd imagine it'd be Stevie. <laughs> it has probably, nah, Robbie, Robbie didn't even need the mirror, whereas Stevie does. Can like Stevie likes to do that all the time in the mirror. Yeah. Whereas Robbie just like done that and just put the cream on. <laughs> so I'd say Stevie definitely more in terms of the mirror. Robbie's more like, like Stevie. Vaseline on the hair, slick back, funky what, jazz. The, who's the biggest prima donna then? Who's been the biggest like vain person you've played with? Kaya Wilkie. <laughs> Kaya Wilkie for an ugly guy thinks he's so good looking and it's right. <laughs> and I've told him this so many times. Like, he used to walk about the changing room, like, and it'd be like a, f- a female, like, fizzle with just na- nothing on him apart from socks and flip flops. And, like, when he'd speak to you, he'd, like, put one leg, like, up on the on the bench. Kind of like, so that, like, that's the type of guy that is, like, he just, he just didn't <laughs> care. He is the funniest guy in the changing room ever. Like, he was just, oh, he was, you probably don't even get that persona for him, but he's so funny. Like, ah, he, he used to just walk about just with socks and flip flops and everything hanging out, no, no caring. And like he would put like water down his body and eyes, like, look at them lads, look at look at them. Great player as well. Oh yeah, it's, aye. Like talking about like, how we can go in in the dressing rooms here, I always feel for the female journalists because there are some guys that are like Kyle Wilkin, they're just wandering about with nothing on. The amount of interviews I've had to sit and chat to somebody and he's just sitting there with a towel that's just wrapped around him and nothing else, and you're like uh, uh, you try just trying to look anywhere except like <laughs> down. It's such uh, a weird. Yeah. At least you get to do your interviews fully dressed. Aye, <laughs> uh, but after a game, people like take longer to get ready or dressed or whatever. You know, like, some people after games, like I, I sometimes you can, it depends where you are. At home when I was at East Fife, I've never, I was never in a rusty home, so I can like sometimes I'd have to do an interview and they're shouting on me. I'm like. No one had my shower yet, you know. Like sometimes you just like to talk or whatever, or listen to a bit of music. Some people like to get going or quickly go. So you can catch people in every single state of how ready they are. You know, like some people are literally before the full time whistle, they're showering, ready to go. And then you've got me about <laughs> half an hour later talking about my mess in the first twenty minutes, with nothing on. So if you get people in all states of readiness when you, when you come into a football changing room after the game, so. So that, that's your task for this season, Lee. You've got to try and get some semi-naked interviews done. <laughs> as in, I need to be semi-naked. <laughs> I don't if, As long as we're not doing video, that's fine. Right. Right, here's the deal. If we, draw, if we draw Kelty in the cup, semi-naked interview, that's got to be it. There we go. Get it on the pitch, it, baby. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You, you were with some real characters at, at the club and we've had different kind of phases. We've had guys on the show from different times and obviously you had Shagger in, in your locker room who, as Lee said, a bit of a nutter. The, the previous team that won the championship in 2007-2008, that locker room was described as a, a locker room, or a dressing room. I keep saying locker room, 
trying to get back into my Scottish terminology. The <laughs> locker room. I know, Stephen Miller will slug me off with this again. But <laughs> he, he described it as a dressing room full of psychopaths. What was, what was that championship win in 15-16 like? I mean, who were the characters? Do you have any like wild stories that you can share with us? Um, well, I we were all really close-knit, to be fair, because like, obviously like Kev Smith had played at a really high level, but he's like such a down-to-earth guy in terms of didn't really talk about it or whatever, so he was really good for the change room. But after, his dad used to play for East Fife and Berwick Rangers. So after Berwick games, we, the bus got stopped to, to the big away games and East Fife would just give you, like, I think it was maybe £40 petrol money each player, but we'd, like, car share. So after Berwick games, the travel lodge up for, for Berwick is only about £20 a night on Saturday. So Berwick away games, we used to go out, me, Ross... I might Stevie Campbell came, but Kev Smith, because his dad would, his dad and his friends would book the lounge up in in Berwick after the, you know, to watch the, the game because obviously he played for both teams and his friends would come down and then obviously it's free drinks. So after the game, we would just go up to the lounge, drink till about seven eight, go to the travel lodge, get changed, and then go out in Berwick. And um, we had a couple of wild nights in there in terms of like, with if you'd beat Berwick or whatever, some of the fans would never recognise you and that. It was good. It was good, but. Um, yeah, some of the nights got a bit out of hand in Berwick, but um, yeah, they were good. I won't go into too much detail, but um, too much drunk was had, and um, good times were had as well. So yeah, it was good. But um, you cop it, yeah. you've copped out big time. Then. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've bottled it, mate. You've I'm absolutely not. bottled it. <laughs> Berwick's lovely, lovely place. Oh, it is. Yeah, we've had night. some we've had some great yeah. times yeah. like in Berwick. It was kind of like fans. an away day in terms of. But you have to play as well, so kind like before the game, you'd be like, "Let's go and beat these, so we can enjoy a night." Yeah, and um, yeah, he's yeah. usually played twice a season as well. We'd go twice, so yeah, Lee's usually good at stitching the guests up because he gets some inside info from former teammates. I, I guess you didn't get anything on Fash. No, no, I didn't actually. Um, I felt that we had enough ammunition on on Nathan anyway, without having to get yeah, his teammates involved. I'm so, sure we're going to be getting um, to that pretty soon. <laughs> then, yeah. Right, last thing just then uh, about your time at East Fife. Your brother was obviously there towards the end of your time there. I know he wasn't playing, he was loaned out and stuff, but what was it like having your, your brother at the club with you? Yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing, especially obviously towards the end of the season in terms of like a few a few games he like came on for me and stuff. And you know, I, I really hoped that he would do maybe a little bit better than what he did. But um, no, it was great. It was a, it was good. It was good to have him around training. So obviously, like I said, we trained at Harriet Watt, so it was like, you know it's a decent journey in and stuff, and you know helped in terms of in that, and you know it was good to have him about, and you know I think he got better as a player as well. So it was good, and I think he really enjoyed it as well, and it was brilliant for my my family and obviously my mum and stuff. And so yeah, it was really good, and then you know at the end uh, we got to celebrate by by winning the league together, so it was really good. Yeah, you left his five. In the best way you could possibly bow out, like bringing home a title, and it's only the the third championship we've we've won in our history. Then you went to Falkirk, and from the outside looking in, me particularly because I was very far away, it it looked like it was a challenging period for you there. I mean, you scored, you got thirteen goals and forty four appearances, but from me looking in, it looked like you were either you maybe didn't fully fit in there or you weren't fully utilised? I mean, is is that fair to say? Or was a lot of it just like trying to adjust to getting in the higher league again? 
No, I don't think so. I think like when I first went there, it was maybe like these five in terms I thought it'd maybe be a bit better than what I was, but I wasn't. So it was a struggle. And then I got I struggled in terms of you know I got I got a bad injury in my hamstring, mm. and um, my hamstring didn't tear like it usually. It, it tore in the middle instead of tearing like that. So because when I done it the first time, they just recovered me like I would do like a normal hamstring, like two three weeks, like a slight pull. But, you know, after I'd done it the second time, I got sent away for an MRI. And then that's when they found out what it actually was. So it took like six to eight weeks to, you know, get back. And you know, when I did get back towards the end of the season, that's when I scored, you know, most of my goals. And I'd done, you know, I'd done, I'd done really well. And I was really happy with myself. And, you know, that's when I thought I could maybe, maybe kick on, you know, finish second in the league. And, you know, I scored a few important goals against Dunfermline and stuff. And... Uh, <laughs> And um, yeah, I thought it was going to kick on and, you know, started the, the next season well in terms of the Bitford games, scored goals and then scored in the first league game. And I just, it just, I got like a slight injury that I was trying to play through at the time and it just, it just wasn't working. The team wasn't working and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as fit as what I, I could have been in terms of my injury and stuff. And I just kept on trying to play through it and play through it and, and I made it, I made it worse and it just came to a point where I had to, step back but by that time I'd already played about six or seven games and no scored so the, the crowd was already on me so yeah it, it wasn't I wouldn't say unlucky but you know if I just stopped playing when I felt the injury and then started back up yeah I don't know what would have happened but um, by the time I came back it was it was it was too late and I you know I'd fell out with Paul Hartley after he came in as well and um, I didn't really want to you know play play for him so I wanted to leave and that's what I did all right. At least we're going to have to worry about you signing for Cove then. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Because <laughs> I, I, I didn't know, because I knew you, you left midway through that second season there. I didn't know if it was like a mutual decision or if you wanted out or if they wanted you out, but you just felt you needed a different different challenge, I guess. Yeah, well, I think, I think the majority of the squad, especially the other ones like Lee Miller, Lee Miller and, you know, Mark Kerr and stuff in terms of, you know, we'd, we'd finished second in the league the league before we you know we'd, we'd got beat to hips you know respectively in the league and you know beat Dundee United to second so you know we were good enough players to play in that league and and do well and then Paul Hartley you know we hadn't started the season well what can, what can happen and Paul Hartley came in and you know we, we heard straight away that trying to bring in seven or eight players and obviously that didn't sit well with the older boys straight away so it was automatically like a bit of a toxic atmosphere and then our working week in terms of playing football was always Monday, Tuesday, off on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, game Saturday and he straight away came in and changed it to off on a Monday and you train four days solid before your game and boys, you've obviously done their routine, you know, played, you know, Lee Miller and, and Curzon and that had played football, you know, for 15, 20 years or whatever it was and they were in their routine so it just, it kind of just split the group and you know, it wasn't really a nice atmosphere to be a part of. And, you know, I, I think I was one of the first to leave because I contacted my agent. You, I think we felt, we played them um, Queen of the South. I got my match the week before. I think we drew to St Mirren. And then we played Queen of the South away. And we were 3-0 down after 15 minutes. After three defensive errors. And then at half-time, he came, he said, fashion need more for you. And I just said, well, you know, what the fuck? What the fuck do you want me to do when we're three 0 down after fifteen minutes? And the game's basically gone. And just had to be hangy. He brought me off, 
obviously. And um, after that, I was just like, I just wanted, I just wanted to go. You know, I didn't want to want to be there anymore. All right, that's totally, totally understandable. And then you ended up at, at Inverness, and I mean, yeah, you seemed happy there. You got the goals there, and then we're going to get to the bit now where you can expect some pelts from Lee, I'm sure. But you were at Inverness, 18 goals, 69 appearances. Then every morning... How many goals? It says 18 on Wikipedia. I'll take that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was it before? <laughs> I'm start, starting to think we shouldn't be trusting Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> nah, 18 should be right. Maybe a couple more, actually. Maybe, maybe a couple of friendlies or something. You, if, if anyone's looking to sign you this season, you need to get on your Wikipedia page and get this changed to get the numbers up a bit. Ah, I think so. But like my my morning routine is I, I wake up I, like in bed, checking the phone. I, I'd read like the BBC News, read the Guardian, I read the Daily Record, sports stuff, and then there's a headline, and it's like Nathan Austin leaving Inverness to join Kelty, and I was seriously, I remember going, what the fuck. Because it just seemed so random to me. Because obviously I didn't know at that point what Kelty were doing and what they were building. But I was like, I don't I don't get this. You've gone from a championship team to, to there. Now, I know you've had some stick. I know folk will say you went for the money. But I also fully understand that a footballer's career is so short. And you've only got a limited window where you can actually make money, get opportunities. You've got a young family. Was it basically just an offer that you couldn't refuse and it's closer to home, you're not travelling up to Inverness all the time? Aye, a little bit. I wouldn't say it was an offer I couldn't refuse. I wouldn't say it was that good. It was more in terms of, I'd take a, like I had a long time to think about it in terms of from like, maybe like February, Inverness had offered all the good, all the players they wanted to keep contracts. So I said to my agent that, like obviously I'm, I'm going to, be leaving. Obviously, I'm in Inverness at the time. Um, was trying to get a mortgage, couldn't get a mortgage, obviously, because my contract was up. And then I think the next month, Inverness had offered me a contract, but it was too late because I didn't. I'd already made my mind up. So that this moment I said that I was going back part time, my first thing was sorting myself out a job, which I done. I managed to get um, managed to get a, a job um, quite quickly. So then it was more intensely like who 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 wanted me, and I had surprisingly I had. Well, maybe not surprisingly, but I had more offers than what I thought I would have. You know, um, I had quite a few, a couple with full-time teams as well who wanted to keep me. But I'd kind of made up my mind that I didn't, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to, you know, chase being a full-time football player in terms of earning average money playing full-time. Where in terms of in three or four years, I'm going to have to try and sort out a job and sort out a career after football. And, and I like football enough to say that I could just play football in terms of play it twice a week. I don't have to be a full-time football player for it to be happy to me. So and after that, I, you know, I went down the clubs and then it was, you know, Arbroath, East Fife and Kelty, who were the three teams that I was, you know, really close to signing for. Went to meet Dick Campbell and stuff and, you know, you know, really liked him, really liked what he had to say and stuff. But I just felt we... I didn't really... The championship would be in Arbroath for the championship. I didn't know if that would sound I'd, I'd enjoy as much. Obviously, they'd done well, but I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know if I'd you know, enjoy it as much in terms of I'd been in the championship, know how hard it was in terms of you know, being for a team, at, you know, a part-time team in the championship. It was really hard. Everyone just expects you to get beat every week because you're a part-time team. Obviously, that's not the case. But And then it was East Fife and um, Kelty. And um, the thing about East Fife was 
that I just, I just felt that I've said this before. I, I felt like the the club wanted me more than Darren Young. You know, I spoke to Darren Young before, and um, when I was when I was leaving, um, actually when I left Falkirk, he spoke to me and, and contacted me and stuff because obviously that was an option as well going back to his five then. And you know, he was on about if 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 I could play, you know, right right striker, right wing and stuff, and you know that kind of was in my head. And you know, obviously he signed Wallace and Dowds. You'd had Dowds at the time. And I just, I, I didn't want to play right striker. I wanted to be, be the striker. I wanted, you know, to be wanted. And I just felt that, the like Jim and, and stuff like that wanted me more than Darren Young. I don't know if that's been harsh, but you know, I didn't really have much contact with Darren. It was more in terms of Jim and in terms of Kelty. You know, Barry Ferguson drove all the way up to Inverness just to have a coffee and speak to me. You know, a man of his caliber driving all that way just to have a chat and, and speak to you and get your thoughts. So, you know, it kind of it was massive for me. And um, you know, it, it was it was a decision I made, and you know I've stuck by it, and um, you know that's nothing against East Fife. You know, I think a lot of people know that I still love East Fife, and you know, hopefully one day I'll I'll be back there, and hopefully that can happen. But I don't know, don't know what's going to happen. But um, yeah, that was uh, the reason behind it. You know, in terms of, of money and stuff, it it wasn't even, it wasn't even that much in it. East Fife offered me a really a really really good deal, and you know I said. Jim, you know, stuck his neck into the line to try and get me and stuff like that. And they offered me a really good deal. And, um, you know, in terms of training and that as well, I've assumed that because you what they asked you that you would be training doing at East Fife. But then I found out it was actually at Heriot Watt again. And, you know, it's about an hour and 10, 15 minutes or an hour, whatever the case is, and Kelty's 20 minutes. You know, it was just wanted to be home. And, you know, if you're at work and you come home from work and you've got to go to another job, you don't want to be travelling all that far but um you know that was what it was but um yeah it was you know it was a bit sad at the time because you know he's five a club that i would uh, you know will hopefully play for again one day but um it just wasn't to be this time and i'm happy to take any stick or whatever anyone else says so it's fine it's, it's okay it's good talk about it, have a conversation about it. it's not you know it's it is what it is well look thank, thanks for putting that to bed because yeah. you've answered my next question for me um, and yeah, I feel terrible for giving you the, the amount of stick. No, you, you deserve, you deserve <laughs> <a bit>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll no, just point out, um, I've not given you any stick at any point ever. So there you yeah, go. Top man. Well, <laughs> you, you've, still, you've, you've still got hero status in your eyes for him. No, I, th- I think it was just obviously you hear the rumour now as an East Fife fan. And you're like, you know, he's went to, to Kelty for an extra 50, 60 quid a week or, you know, he's, he's getting an extra three windows in the conservatory they're going to build from whatever it's going to be. So, um, you know... Wait, it's not in yet. I need to get on to your agent, mate. That's an absolute <laughs> shambles. That, that Danny Swanson got offered a, a conservatory, apparently, so I'd be, uh, I'd be knocking down on the, the gaffer's door. But, look, all joking aside, like, I think, you know, I, I had a bit of a... I wouldn't say an argument with Murray Carstairs, like I, I know Murray, but like I was giving Kelty absolute pelters on Twitter, calling them the next Gretna and all this sort of stuff. Um, and he, um, and like I said at the time, it was, it was total sour grapes for me because I'd heard that more or less he'd, he'd sort of agreed to come back. Like, you know, the, the, the deal was almost done. So I was sort of sitting quietly confident, like, what, what a squad we're going to have next season. Right. And then all of a sudden, no, the, deal, a the, fan, deal was, the deal was close to being done. And, I'd said on the, I said, I think I said on the Friday about, like I'm, I'm like we'd agreed in terms of like what what they'd offered me and stuff, and I was like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm like more than happy with that as a, as a great offer and stuff, and then, but Darren hadn't even phoned me in terms of on the Monday, 
to speak to me or anything. And I just felt like, like I just felt a bit like a bit deflated. Like Friday, kind like the club was delighted and buzzing and phoning me like nonstop. And then he didn't even text me or phone me in terms of to say like, um, really happy to have you. Or can we? You gonna sign? You can get the papers ready or whatever. And then on the Monday, I had like I came home for training, checked my phone, had the phone day or whatever. And I just felt like it was no, no, like just a bit of kicking the balls, like in terms of like, can if you if you're like that buzzing to sign a player, like surely you can to pick up a phone for two minutes to say, oh, buzzing to have you on, like on board this season, like we're gonna do do good things. I just thought like that's not really how I would do it or how I'd like like to be treated. So. You know, that was more like, and then I phoned up my agents, like, what's happening and stuff. And then he was like, look, Barry's going to come up and see you, speak to you. I've told him that you're, you're like, you're happy to send me five and stuff. And he was just like, well, just let him speak to you. Like, let him see what he's got to say and stuff. And, and I did. And, um, you know, that's that's just how it went. But, no, in terms of, like, a manager and stuff, I feel like if you're going to, you know, really, really want to sign a player, then you, you should like, communicate. So that's just how I felt at the time. And, you know, I've said that before, so that's just how it went. Fair enough. I mean, I think that, if, if, I don't know if you remember a few years back, it was similar with Scott McTominay. He was getting the choice of playing for England. He was getting the choice of playing for Scotland. And he said that Gareth Southgate sent him a text, whereas it was the horrendous weather and um, Alex McLeish drove down to meet him to convince him to play for uh, Scotland. I think it was Alex McLeish, somebody might correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, the, we went, Scotland went the extra mile for him. So I could understand that, obviously, from a, a sort of personal point of view. It doesn't mean I have to like it, but I can understand it. So <laughs> you went, obviously, from the, the championship to the lower league. It's, you know, was it quite similar from going amateur to pro? Right, um, reverse. Like going back. Yeah, a little bit. But in terms of myself, like I feel like I'm better now than what I was when I was at Inverness in terms of a, a player, because like I didn't like I didn't try and stop just because I dropped in to say that like that's me like giving up. It's more in terms of like I thought nah fuck this I'm gonna keep trying to get it better because I just want to I just want it got to a stage where I wasn't playing enough football. You need to play football to get better, and I wasn't playing enough football, and then I realised that and I needed to play football more. So now, you know, last season, whatever, I played 40 games or whatever it was. And I'm a better player now than what I was the season before and the season before that. So no, I'm, I feel like I'm getting better. And then that's, that's only going to help me and, and, and stuff like that. But in terms of the level, like, you know, maybe the bottom half of the league, I've said this before, isn't as good as the top half of the league because some of the top half of the league teams are, are really good. You know, like the, the BSCs, uh, the Bonnie Regs, you know, obviously the East Kilbride are some of the players they're signing this year because, you know, getting into League 2 and getting into League such a big thing for some of these teams and they're willing to do, you know, whatever it is to get into it. So, you know, in terms of the quality in the top half of the table is, you know, League 1, League 2 standard and, um, you know, comfortably, you know, some of the teams would, you know, win League 2 and, and, and battle in League 1. So, you know, we've got Edry at the weekend and um, I think we're meant to have Stenhouse Beer or whatever the case is and, you know, we'll see what kind of, you know, level we're at. So, yeah, it's good. Well, 5 ones a score to beat, mate. We hammered them during the week. So, um, yeah, we'll see how he's get on against uh, Stenhouse Muir. But, you know, do you think, did you think at that point then that it, 
that there was a, a, a possibility that it could hinder your career, or were you not actually thinking about that? I mean, if you look at Bobby Lynn, he dropped down to, to Blingry, um, mm-hmm. and that's not affected his career in any way, shape, or form. And, and you know, there's a lot of players, I mean, some quality, quality players have, have dropped down to the, the Lone League, and you, you mentioned that yourself. But do you have that sort of ambition to maybe go back up? You know, if you can't do it with Kelty, let's let's say for whatever reason it doesn't happen with Kelty, do you still have that burning desire to play up higher in the leagues, or is it just you're content with where you are? No, not at all. I'll I'll, I'll play at a quite. I'll comfortably say that I'll play at a higher level than what I'm at now. But at the time where I was in my life, in times it, I wanted to get. You now I've got a family. I wanted to be sort out my family before I sorted out myself. In terms of when you're a full player, when you're younger, it's selfish. In terms of I'll play in Inverness because I'm a football player, I'll play in Inverness. Then you've got to think about things like moving up your family and then moving back down. I didn't want to do that again. So once I moved down here, I wanted to sort them out before I started playing football. I knew I could focus just on you know, my life sorted now in terms of how I am and family and stuff. And now I can just focus on football, which I did last year, and hopefully kick on again. You know, sometimes you have to take a step backwards, go forward. And, um, you know, at the time, you know, if I'd only scored seven goals last year for Kelty, and probably no one would be talking about me again. So, you know, I made sure that I'd done, you know, I was um, better than the rest. And I was in terms of the amount of goals I scored. So, you know, people still talking about me and there's still people, you know, um, not offering me contracts because I've obviously signed with Kelty, but there's still people who would probably willing to take me if I, if I left Kelty in the morning. So, you know, it's a good place to be in. But, you know, for me, it's just trying to keep progressing and keep trying to get better and, you know, with a, with a manager like Barry Ferguson, you know, that's what he strives for. So it's someone I'm enjoying at the moment. And, I mean, you've touched on it a wee bit there. So have you had any chances to leave Kelty since you've been there? Have you had have the club had any offers? No, I think um, last season when I was doing well, I think um, Ray Froger spoke about me. But um, I think a lot of people know my situation in terms of, you know, I spoke quite clearly that I don't, I don't like, at the moment, I don't, don't really want to go back to full time. So, you know, there's not a lot of part-time teams who have already offered me or already spoke to me that have already like closed closed the door you know there's a lot of teams when I left these five who wanted to speak to me and stuff like that so you know I've said I've said at the time that I didn't really want to sign for them so you know there's not a lot of teams who would just come in randomly for me so no there's not there's not been any offers or inquiries about me so no not at the moment let's just make it categorically clear right Kel is one strike you get two strikes every time for Rovers or Cowden. I can forgive them Fairman at a push, right? But if you go to the Rovers, that's it. Game over. Like literally, I'll be rubbing your name out on Wikipedia the whole lot. Oh, we'll be deleting um, this episode. No <laughs> Good man. Good man. No so obviously, I mean, like your record at Kelty speaks for itself. Thirty-seven goals and twenty-five appearances, um, winning the title. Surely that shows. You're too good for that league, surely. Yeah, that was the aim. You know, like when I said, when I dropped in, it was more the case of, I'll make sure that we get out of this league this year. And I, I felt comfortably that we would have, you know. I think we would have won the league. And I think we would have, you know, I, I don't think Roa were too even keen on coming in the league, if I'm being honest with you, you know, with the travel costs and stuff. So I think that would have played on them and uh, we would have beat them. And I think, you know, without being big headed and stuff, we, I think we would have comfortably beat Greek and that's not... <laughs> any dishonesty to break and I just feel like that's the way it was you know when oh, the season was going so well for one team and so bad for the other you know it's only going to be one outcome and I think we would have, we would have beaten comfortably over the two legs and yeah, we would I have been in league two that's definitely um, a fair way it must have just been a little bit you know 
this happening, obviously, with the whole COVID stuff curtailing the league, because, you know, you, you were on a, a good run of form, you were playing well, and then to not get that chance to, to you know, really stake your claim to go up, that must have been a kick in the teeth. Yeah, it was really frustrating at the time, you know, in, in terms of, you know, with the, with the players and, and the board and obviously guilty how much they, you know, they were trying to get up. But, you know, there's, there was bigger things out there at the time. So, if, you know, a lot of boys understood that and, you know, it was a bit deflating and, you know, I think a few of the boys were maybe down for a, a wee while. But, you know, once football's back and, you know, we've been back training now for a couple of weeks, you get that little bit of buzz back and, you know, the games will be starting soon, the, the serious games and, you um, just you know, people just want to enjoy football. You know, hopefully we can get some fans back and just start enjoying it and start getting abused to, to people again. <laughs> so look, um, normally I would give Barry Ferguson a slagging on this as well, but he gave you the night off and we've managed to get you on tonight that maybe we wouldn't have done before. So you'll get a pass this week. Not, not uh, a full night off because I had to go for a run before I went on. So he's not getting full off because I had to do a run. So that doesn't count. So I still class that as training. Ah, well, he's still a prick then. So, if <laughs> <laughs> this is why I gave you this question, Lee. <laughs> I've, I've mentioned in a few shows when, when we won the league at Clyde, you'll probably remember he was obviously the manager, and I said it right in front of his face. Yeah. He's like, we dick. What a day. What a day. <laughs> yeah, great, great day. I hope you remind him of that often. By I think his wife got charged about five grand for their changing rooms after it. Like, there was champagne coming out the, the lights and everything. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kaya Wilkie in the scud. Kaya Wilkie, yeah. when he plays on trying to get a picture with all the boys. <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus Christ. So, right, let's get, get you the serious question. So, where does Barry rank as the sort of managers that he played under? Now, don't cop out, right? Don't no. cop out, because I know you're playing there just now. I don't think Barry Ferguson listens to Glory Days ago, so you should be safe. I hope he does. But where does he rank in terms of, the, yeah, I hope not, um, in terms of the, the managers you played under? I'd probably just just maybe under Gary Naismith, you know, um, Gary Naismith was uh, you know the one who who kicked me on in terms of you know I, I wouldn't be who I was in terms of a player without him. So you know I high him the highest in terms of who I've played under. So you know and and Barry's obviously been brilliant for me. He's been really good for me. You know, so um, you know I rate him highly as well. So but I'd call Gary at the top, and you know obviously I've only played a season under. A season under Barry, so you know you never know what can happen. But well, guys at the top, good. Do you still keep in contact with Gary? I well, we spoke to him last season actually a couple of times. He came to watch me against Bonnery because I think he had a, a young boy at heart, so whatever. But you know he tried to he tried to sign me countless times for um, Queen of the South and stuff. And when I wasn't playing at Falkirk, he tried to get me on loan back at um, East Fife as well when he was there. So. Yeah, he texts me all the time. And stuff. Well, not all the time. He used to when he was a manager, yeah. but um, not as much now. So, yeah. yeah. No, he's def- definitely a top man. One thing I didn't look up, uh, I just think about it just now when we're chatting, what's the most goals you've scored in a game? You've obviously got a lot of hat-tricks, but for Kelty, I mean, you must have scored, what, four or five goals in a game? Four, I think. I think it's four. But the best four was away uh, for East Fife at Elgin. Because it was um, hailstone and absolute cannonballs that night, and um, it was on a Tuesday night. Didn't get home till about three in the morning, but I'd scored four goals, so it was brilliant. And then I managed to get sent off. My only sending off the Saturday after at Hamden. So. <laughs> Don't score uh, four goals again, then. Um, uh, no. 
going back to Kelty then, they, they've invested in, in the club. And I'll be honest, if I had the money as a chairman, I would do that. I'm a, I'm a Glenrothes boy. I used to go watch Glenrothes Juniors when they were a junior team. I know they're now in the, the Scottish football pyramid. If they went and did the same, I'd love it. So I, I get why folk would do that. But this season, you're not the only team now in the Lowland League that's been investing. East Kilbride spent big. East Stirling seem to be bringing a lot of guys in. Now, to me, it feels weird in a way that you're going to put all that money when you're not even guaranteed a promotion because you've got to go through a playoff and then a second playoff. And with with so much competition this season, it, it feels like whatever club doesn't win and doesn't go up, it could be massive to the future of that club. Well, that's what, when I first signed with Kelty, well, when I first spoke to them, it wasn't, it was more, I spoke to the general manager as well as Dean in terms of, you know, like Kelty, I don't know if they published it, but they've got plans to build like another stand in that community and stuff like that and, and build up. It wasn't just in terms of pumping all the money in terms of players mm. and then if it doesn't go right, then that's it, done. It was more in terms of the infrastructure, in terms of they're trying to build up the whole infrastructure of the club and make it bigger and more community use and, and make it better over you know a five, ten-year period. It wasn't in terms of we're chucking it all at this season. Because I, I didn't want it to be like, so if we didn't go up, that season is that like you know are we to, are we going to be fucked or what's yeah. going to happen after the season are, you know are we going to be in trouble is is it important that we need to go up this season and that wasn't the case it was more in terms of it's a five ten year period in terms of they want to get into the leagues they want to be established and they want to you know just want to be a club in terms of the divisions and that's what they want to do and you know at the time I want to be a part of that so that was it wasn't in case of like all oh, or nothing which maybe some clubs are like that. I don't know, I can't speak for every club, but in terms of, you know, I know myself in terms of Kelty, you know, we're still going again this year, we signed some good players as well again this year, so it's not in case of, you know, it was all in one season and that was it, be or end all. It's over, you know, a, a long period of time they're trying to get into the league and you know, hopefully they can uh, accomplish that. That's good to hear, actually, because I, I do, I did have some kind of concerns about sustainability. But then you look at some of the teams that's in the league, and it's like they they need to be spending money to to try and and, and keep up. But if you're investing in the community, I think that's the way to grow Scottish football. And I mean, does it feel like a community club when you're there? Yeah, again, like before training, there's like 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 um, there's the young the young kids training. There's a lot of people around the community come and watch it. Obviously, not with the COVID at the moment, but you know, when I was there, there's a lot of a lot of people of the community team come and watch the chain. You know, there's a lot of you know diehard um, Kelty fans, and you know, from what the club was to what they're trying to get to, you know, it's it's a, it's a massive step, and obviously, it's going to take time. But you know, I feel like um, in terms of Kelty, they try and reach out to the community as do East Fife, and try and make it as more community and you know, make everyone and feel like they're involved in the club. And I feel like that's how football should be. It should feel like a big family in terms of you should know people around the club should feel comfortable and, um, you know, that's what Kelly is. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a community club and I feel like it's going in the right places, I Yeah, I think these fights changed so much as well from when I started watching them in, in the mid-80s and stuff. And, like, for you yourself, you've got maybe 10 seasons, maybe even more still, still in you as a player. What would you like to achieve in the game? And we want you back at East Fife at some point. Obviously, it'd be a nice story, you start at East Fife, you end your career at East Fife, but over the next 10, 15 years, I'll, I'll bum you up to you, you're going to be playing to your early 40s. 
No, I won't be playing to early fellas. <laughs> I'll be playing till about 32 or something. But All no, right. that was like, in terms of, I felt like if I'd, go, if I'd signed for his five last year, then I, I wouldn't have, I would never have left. That would be, that would have been me for his okay. five. Not that that's a bad thing. Yeah. I just felt like if I, if I'd went to his five then, then that would, that would be it. I would never, I would never be enticed to leave and I would probably have just, played there for another 10 years which isn't a bad thing but like I said I wanted another challenge I wanted to try something new and then hopefully you know and if I if I can manage to get to Kelty where they are and establish and stuff then you know I could I could come back to East Fife if, they, if they'll have me or if I'm still good enough or if I'm still playing you know never know what the future holds but no certainly you know I, I want to play for East Fife again you know I've made that quite clear so um, yeah just you never know what the future is going to hold but hopefully you know I'll be back there one day We've just got a, a couple of general football stuff just to chat about, then Lee's going to get to the, the all-time 11s and, and things with you. So we touched it at, at the start, and the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, there's been a, a big growing of the Black Lives Matter movement and just highlighting racism in the sport in general society. Over here in North America in MLS, the league here has fully embraced it. They've supported the players. They've let the players do whatever they wanted. The the players have formed a, a black players coalition and they're kind of driving what the narrative is and just what needs to be discussed. And on the whole, everyone's really adopted it and it's been well received. One of the first games back here with fans was in Dallas and the the fans booed when the players took a knee at the National Anthem. And one of the black players from Dallas came out afterwards and was so critical and slammed the fans and the, the his club backed him up and everything. And you, you see that and you think, I don't understand how folk aren't getting it. And for, for you and your own experiences as a player, how bad has it been in Scottish football for you as a young black player? You, we talked about it at a youth level. Is this something when you went to the senior game? Do you experience racism on a regular basis still? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, I've said this before. You know, um, when that matter highlighted it, you know, it was a massive thing at the time. You know, it was in the newspapers and stuff. And you know, after that, it, it kind of, it kind of just went. You know, it's it, it was kind of like it was kind of like a, a flick of switch. You know, it was um, you know, it was a big thing and. And people realised, and and it, it definitely did change, you know, in terms of senior football. You no, know, I've not, I've not, um, can't think of, you know, cases where you know I've been racially abused or stuff like that. You know, I feel like not lucky. You shouldn't feel lucky not to be abused. But when you look at stuff across the water and how bad it is, and that, I feel lucky in terms of, you know, I'm a big part of my community, and, and a lot of people know who I am, and you know, I don't feel like uh, me or my brother or you know other people, you know receive as much as what maybe people do across the water or, or in other places and you know I feel like Fife and you know especially you know leaving where I stay it's it, it, it's, it's it's better than most places. That's actually fin- fantastic to hear I, I, I spoke to one of the uh, the young Whitecaps guys and he the story like he said within Canada it's there's been a, a little but not much and the only time he's had it is when he went down to the U.S as a youth guy as well and it's like you'd have parents and coaches and stuff saying stuff to them and it just it, it blew his mind that he's there as a 15 16 year old playing and folk are are, are doing that but I, I know one of the things here that the players are really pushing for is for more 
black players when they finish playing to have the opportunities to go into coaching and to get like equal opportunities for administration and stuff like that. I mean, do, do you feel that's something that is needed in Scotland? And is that something, I mean, are you planning anything yourself this season with regards to the movement or are you involved in anything locally to kind of raise awareness for, for any issues? No, I'm not I'm not really involved in anything locally. I uh, visited London um, a few weeks ago with my friends and um, uh, we'd done something down there just a little bit because the boy owns a, a coffee shop and he had, uh, he's obviously, he was black as well and um, we'd done a little thing. But, but up here, it's not, like, it's hard to say, but it's not as much black people up here, so it's, like, harder yeah. to, you know, push it on in terms of, you know, when you're in London and that, you can realise that there's a lot of different, you know, it's really multicultural compared to what it is here. And um, I, I don't feel there's any need for me personally to do it here because, I, I, like I said, I don't receive it. I've not heard it. If anyone came to me and said, you know, they receive it in a school, then I'm happy to come and help or, or speak about it or something. But, you know, at the time when I played football, then I don't really want to get involved too heavily in it. In terms of when I finish football, then it's something that I definitely will look into doing because, you know, it's sure the racism, red card and stuff in Scotland, you know, a lot of people come round, but, but none of them are of, you know, any different nationality. So, you know, it's hard for maybe younger kids to maybe understand, like, sure, is a red card, but is a white person handing me the card, what does that mean, you know? So, you know, maybe once I've finished football, it's something I could maybe get involved in or, or something like that, I could maybe help out. But um, I don't know, I've not really looked into it, you know? So, um, but it's, obviously there's a lot of corridors and a lot of ways you can go about things like this. But um, at this moment in time, there's not something I'm actively you know, working on or, or looking to do, no. When you do hang up your boots, whenever that might be, would you have an interest in getting into coaching? Is that anything you've thought of? Mm, no, not really. You know, I like I, I used to go down and help out um, the young boys doing at East Fife, um, you know, regularly. But it's not something that um, you know I'm, I'm 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 really passionate about or something. You know, I feel like for me to be a coach, it would, I'd have to totally switch off in terms of being a football player, which I'm obviously not ready to do or anywhere near doing so maybe some you know maybe in a few years time when you know the legs start to go a little bit it might be something that i might look into but at this moment in time it's not something that like i think about being a being a coach or something or if i'll be really good at it or, or not so no it's definitely something that you know i'd have to consider when i when i get a little bit older yeah well and, I, and by the way for for that i, I take my hat off to you um, you know, certainly the, the show races on the red card thing. I mean, I remember it vividly at school, being, being at Fife and, and them coming into the schools and stuff. And you're absolutely right. You know, it was always someone white, whereas, you know, maybe, maybe it would have been more beneficial if it wasn't coming from somebody of colour that it would, you'd actually maybe have heard their story and it yeah. might have felt a bit more, yeah. I don't know, authentic. There's a lot of, a lot of things about racism. It's, it's like some. Some children aren't being racist, they're just like maybe not educated on something, you know, like maybe asking you a question that you might find rude, but they're just asking you a question. If you're a child, you're entitled to ask a question if you don't know about it. So, you know, if, if you're asking, a, if a child's asking an adult, it might come across rude, but it's just because they're not educated on, the, on, on it. So, you know, it's all yeah. about education at an early age. And I feel like, you know, I feel really strongly about getting education in terms of kids at a younger age and you know, it'll blossom into when they're older. You know, if they're not racist when they're four, five, six year old, then they're not going to grow to be racist in terms of yeah. if they are naive and not educated on a thing, then it's easy to grow into, you know, not 
because everyone's always scared of something they don't know. So if, you, if you've never seen a black person or you don't know anything about, about black person or, or someone of a different nationality, then you're going to be a little bit hesitant, maybe a bit naive and maybe say something that you shouldn't say because you don't know. So maybe educating at a younger age will help and, and help educate people and, and, you know, make society better. Absolutely. Brilliant. I didn't have Thanks anything like much. that. I didn't have anything like that school when I... No, we did. In a school, it's like... It, yeah. It's like great that they've got that now. I didn't even know they were doing that in yeah. Fife. So, I mean, that's fantastic. I'll be honest with you. I mean, obviously, growing up, maybe just a few years older than Nathan, but, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there, there wasn't that, or I haven't seen a lot of it in terms of, like, a racist culture here, but certainly across in America, you know, you see it all the time. But I tend to think that people are a reflection of their parents. You know what I mean? If, if, your, parents yeah. are, if your parents are racist and that's the sort of things that you're hearing at home, then you know, that's what's going to happen. Whereas my parents are completely opposite of that. So you've got that sort of, you know, it's, you're a reflection of the people you spend the most time with. So absolutely. Uh, but let's, let's talk about some, some more football stuff then, because um, we've probably kept you a little bit longer than we thought we were going to. Um, but it's been a thoroughly enjoyable chat. Yep, that's unusual. It's been, Sorry. It's been great. Yeah, sorry, we both like to talk. It makes it difficult. But, um, so, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I saw you play for Scotland at amateur level. You were absolutely brilliant when I seen you at that level as well. What was that like to represent the country you grew up in? I mean, obviously, I know you were born in England um, of Barbados heritage. Do you consider yourself Scottish? How, yeah, like, how do, you, so. do you feel so? I think so. I think when you, you get to, like, if you move up below a certain age, I feel like you can class yourself as that. In terms of me, like, I've, like I've lived more than like what was it three times my life in, in Scotland. You know, I'm 26 and I moved up when I was like seven, so I've been here like 19, 20 years or something. So yeah, I do class myself with Scottish. It's something I was, I was proud of. You know, I played for you know Scotland boys when I was younger. You know, and I loved that. And then obviously, you know, playing Scotland amateurs and all, it was it was an amazing experience. And um, you know, I loved it. I loved it. And you know, I was still young at the time, and you know, I thought it was the best thing ever. So yeah, I absolutely loved my experience with Scotland and you know being around. You know. Um, some good players and stuff as well. And did you never get the chance to play for Barbados? I was having a look at their, their national team and I'm thinking, you would definitely get in on that side. Yeah, I, I actually looked at that when I was at Falkirk. I, I, just, I just quickly looked at the, the the national team and looked at like the, the players their leagues were in and stuff. And then there was an email address and I was close to emailing them to say, like, look, I'm from Barbados Heritage, you know, if um, you know, I'd be like, happy to you know be a part of it I didn't know how I was going to word it and stuff and then I was thinking to myself I hate flying and they play on like <laughs> I looked at their games and they play like yes. Tuesday Wednesdays and that during the week and imagine me saying to Peter Houston look Gaffer we've got like again, Jamaica on Wednesday and you give me a couple days off and I'm going to be jet lagged <laughs> when I come back because I've, I've been away to Morton on Saturday fast you can't go can, I, I just thought to myself, nah, I can't, I, I couldn't do it. Although if they were playing, if they were playing here, I'd jump on and give, put a strip on. But um, nah, I was, it was, uh, I'd spoke to my dad about it and stuff. And I was just like, uh, it wasn't for me. They're 162nd in the world rankings. Uh, you had some premiership players though. Um, big boys, was it boys? I've had a, voice. a few good players, yeah. I've had a good few players, just not me. Have you ever, have you ever been to Barbados? I've not, um, we were planning to go a couple of years ago with my dad and then um, 
my my nan sadly passed away and we didn't go. But um, no, I'll I'll definitely go. I'm, I'm I think I'll take the when the first time I go, I want to take my wee one as well. So um, wait until she gets a little bit older and we'll go across. Awesome. So that's that's fine. That's all the the official questions. Like I said, we do normally go and do your all time elevens from here, but. You know, it's it's up to you if you're not organised for that. You could just talk. I could do it off the top of my head and just blow right. players, but there will be better players that I've played with. But I'm just going to say players that I can remember. Right. Okay. So, well, I, I know that you've listened to a few of the shows, so we do a, a, a with and against. So let's see how your how good your memory is. So we'll start with your all time eleven with. I'm gonna go Liam Kelly yeah. slash Ryan Goodfellow because he was good as well. Right in the yeah. middle. I don't. I'm. I'm not really keen on goalkeepers. I don't. I, I don't like them. I argue with them a lot, and <laughs> oh, I just think they're overrated. I don't. I don't rate goalkeepers. Um, right back. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Scott Mercer. I really enjoyed playing with Scott Mercer. I yeah. thought he was brilliant. Thought yeah. he was a really good player. And then I'm gonna go. Half. I'm going to go with my big mate up in Inverness called Donaldson centre half really really good player always rate centre- see when you play with a centre half it's hard to like rate how good they are but I always judge it in terms of training as well Can like when you're playing against them in training yeah. if you hate I hate playing against him in training because he's just annoying he just gets his toy with everything so I'm going to go with him and he's a good player when I played with him as well and then I'm going to go with yeah. Stevie Cam- yeah. my man Stevie Campbell centre half because he was amazing in yeah. training and he'd whack them top bench for fun and he'd make you as well and he'd slide back with you. And he was good looking. So I'll go ahead. And then, <laughs> is, that, is that the two centre-halves done? Yeah. yeah. That's the two centre-halves done. Left back. I was going to play it safe and say Naismith. But he used to, his left foot, you would have seen it, his left foot, when he used to just whip it. And I would just run up to it. It was amazing. We used to have just this connection where he'd just punt the ball and I'd run and get it. But um, in terms of a player, um, Luke Leahy for Falkirk, I think he's at um, Port Vale at the moment in League One. He was a really, really good player. Um, I really enjoyed the, um, playing with him and then I'm going to go right mid Ooh. I might go I'm going to go Aaron Doran at Inverness um, I can see why he he should have he should have been playing at a higher level he was a really good player um, technically brilliant and his shooting was good as well so I'm going to go him sentiment I'm going to go for I'd only played with him for in friendlies in the, fir- the start of the season, but Will Vogt, um, I think he's at Cardiff at the moment actually. But you could tell it, you could tell where he was like a level above. Like he was a really good player, really really good player, and he was an athlete as well. So, I'm gonna go him centre mid, and then I'm gonna go. See, I feel like I'm gonna miss people out here. I don't know. I'm gonna go Kyle Wilkie because he was just a joy to play with. Like I just. You knew when you were running, he was going to play, and then like sometimes he'd like four boys run them, like pass the ball, and then he'd make two of them, and then come out, and uh, he was amazing. And then left mid, I'm going to go. You maybe left mid. Um, they can any good left mids. Um, <laughs> now nah, I'm going to go Dylan Eason. Dylan Eason, who I'm like at the moment, he's a he's a top player, top top player. Um, and then up front, I'm going to play... Ooh, Surely I'm Kevin play, Nadi gets a shout, no? I'm going to play <laughs> Kevin Nadi and myself. <laughs> nah, um, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, top yeah. player, top pro. Um, all-round good guy, yeah. Um, East Fife legend, um, yeah, he's top player. 
And um, I'm not going to play myself. I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to play him with Big Lee Miller. I think he, they do well together. Yeah. And flip it on to Kev. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the team. Wouldn't they, they win many games, though? But uh, be good in the changing room, they boys. I would disagree. I think, I think that's a pretty good team. And I am disgusted you never picked uh, Cedric Tuta or Alexis Duto <laughs> um, or any Cedric of these Tuta boys. For his three minutes at Dunfermline. Yeah, he was outstanding <laughs> that game. I mean, I, I don't know if you followed him on Twitter, man, but he was amazing. It was just like every night he was just putting pictures up of Donner Calzone's. Like, he just seemed nah, to beat him every night. I didn't even go Twitter about them. <laughs> Honestly, guy is an absolute legend. Look, we've kept John for long enough, but even if you give us top three best players you've played against, and then we'll let you. Uh, well, Lee McCulloch, when I played against him at Rangers, but I was really young. I just thought he was a. I think he scored a hat trick, and then he went back to centre half. Like that's yeah. how good he was. He was class. I didn't like playing against that, uh, McGregor for Hibs and all. He was like a French Fraser man, the centre half. Is it McGregor? <laughs> He's like a big old French. Aye, but just like constantly grab, like I wasn't, you know, he's trying to run and he's pinching you and grabbing you, like nay, nay. I just hated it. Like I couldn't <laughs> wait to get off the pitch after playing against him. Hated it. And then I played against um, that F.A. Ambrose and all. And you watch him, right? And you just think he's gonna make a mistake here because he always makes a calamitous mistake. Nah, he's rapid, and he could, he's, he's, he's brilliant. He was brilliant against me anyway. He was class. So I'm gonna go him centre half. What was that? Three centre halves I've went. Yeah, nah, I've got, to, I've got to go someone else. Um, Jason Cummins was good, like, and yeah. so was, uh, who else was good? Jason Cummins. No, I'll go with Jason Cummins. I'll stick with him. He was good. Uh, I like, I like he's him. He's a class player. Uh, he, he looks like he'd be brilliant on a night out as well. So, uh, good guy. Uh, good guy. Definitely. But last, last, last question. We always ask about memorabilia. Obviously, we found that you're not sentimental, but have you swapped shirts with anybody that you've kept? No. No. I've got my, I've got the only thing, like, I like my five stuff. I've got like a Falkirk site. I didn't come with that. It's Falkirk shirt signed. But I've got my, the day we won the league, uh, he's five when we got the league title. We, I've got everyone to sign my shirt. I've got, I've got that. Oh, nice. Um, Good. And, um, yeah. Lee will be asking uh, for that in a minute. My, uh, no, 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 no. no. Nah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's the thing like I keep, I keep that. I like that. And, uh, um, He's already promised me Jordan's medal, so I, I can't uh, ask him for any more of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, mate, um, I don't know about you, Michael. I've really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, it's been chat. absolutely brilliant. Really, really good. It'll be available uh, no, for on Sunday. Um, no, I, I know that a lot of these five fans still hold you in, in really, really high regard. You know, I'll, I'll happily admit you've, you've went up in my estimations now that I know the real story, <laughs> but you're, you're not coming back. Um, and I love how, how passionately you speak about the club. I, I did have this in my questions, but I took it out. But, you know, you don't often see it from players that when they move away from a club, that they still care about the old one. But I remember when we signed Danny Swanson, you were like, love that. And I was just like, that guy still has his faith, obviously, at his core. And, and, and yeah, of course. Still us. Of course. Always well. Always well. This. You know, I've been doing to, I've come down to watch him numerous times as well, you know, when I've been injured or... Well, I've not got a game and stuff, you know, it's still, I still feel it's like my club and stuff. It's just, like I said before, it wasn't the right time at the moment that hopefully in the future I'll be back and, you know, um, I'll re hopefully retire there and hang up the boots and score some more goals before I, I bow out. So, yeah, you never know. Hopefully in the future I'll be back and we could do a yeah. podcast about me actually playing there. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would be much better. Look, I'll, I'll do you a deal. You sign back for us. I'll name my next kid after you. That's a, that's a deal. I'll take that. Fast well, is a great thing to do. <laughs> I'll, I'll go balls out and go fast like I'm more. <laughs> Rachel's even, not in the room with you, is she? No. Eh? No, she's upstairs. His wife's obviously not there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, she, she doesn't want me to call right Kenny that we should have yeah, absolutely. Cheers, mate. Fast. Take care, guys. Cheers. Before, but Thanks, Fash. Take care. Pleasure. Pleasure. So some fantastic stuff there from Fash. Really enjoyed that chat, Lee. And as you said at the end there, it's just so nice to hear a guy speak so highly of the club and his passion for it, and he definitely wants to come back one day. I said I'd open him with open arms. I think most of the supporters... You'd open him with open arms? I'd welcome him with open arms. I would maybe maybe open him up as well. Who who can say? Well, as you probably heard in the interview there, um, Nathan and I have got a deal that if he comes back and... Uh, plays against East Fife with Kelty that we're going to do a, a semi-naked interview. So I think his physique might be slightly better than mine and I, I might have to get my fat ass back to the gym in preparation for that one. Um, but no, I, I really, really enjoyed it and it was great to, to... I mean, I said it to him at the end there, I don't know if that'll make it to the show or not, but it was great to see that, that, that love that he clearly has for the club. And, you know, you could tell that people are maybe... I don't pay you a bit of lip service or whatever, but you can genuinely like um, when you speak to Devmuir, like when you speak to Paul mm-hmm. McManus, um, you know Johnny Smart. You really see the genuine love for the club and what our club means to them. And and, and Fash was another one. Yeah, I, I think we have picked our our guests carefully for that as well because we want fans that love the players and we want players that love the fans and have these guys reconnected again. So, I mean, yeah, that will definitely make the final edit. As will your pledge to name your next child after Fash. Yeah, um, sorry, Rachel, if you listen to this, but if he comes back and scores a hat-trick against the Rovers, if he wants to call my kid Frankenstein, get us, he can call it the fucking one. <laughs> <laughs> well... We we don't want kids, so I might name a pet after him or something if he does that. That's that's a safer bet. You should have gone down the pet route, but there we go. Shite. <laughs> there was a lot of interesting stuff there, and I'm glad he kind of laid to bed the tittle-tattle about not coming back to, to East Fife that, that second time around. And it was a little bit disappointing to kind of hear how, how that worked out, and... As you talked about there, if a manager is showing a lot more passion for you than maybe, say, another manager, I mean, it might be that both Darren Young and Barry Ferguson really, really wanted him. But if if one manager goes that little bit extra, I can see how that would sway a player. And it's good to know that it wasn't just all about the money. No, um, and like, I think that, you know, Fashes me that abundantly clearly wants to come back, you know, and, and I think that if the, the opportunity presented itself, it would, you know... I'm not going to say anything against Darren because, you know, maybe maybe Fash wasn't the player he wanted. You don't know that. Um, and unless Darren confirms to him otherwise, you know, you've got, you've got to maybe give Darren the benefit of the doubt that maybe it wasn't, Nathan wasn't the player that he was looking at at that time. But how, how else do we put it? I, th- I think that, you know, as a, as a footballer, and, for, you know, I've read quite a lot of football autobiographies, you know, watched a lot of interviews, read a lot of articles and stuff. You want to feel loved. You want to feel wanted. You want to feel that you're going to be the main man. And maybe Barry just put that across better in that instance. Yeah, possibly. 
But it was a good chat, chatting through his career, everything that he's gone through. And I mean, we said it during the interview. He's way too good to be playing in the Lowland League. It suited him at the time. It's probably going to suit him this season. I'm genuinely excited and curious to see how that league pans out this year with the money that's been spent and stuff that's been thrown around. And I do worry about the sustainability, but at least it was good to hear that Kelty's looking long-term. They're not just wanting to be a flash in the pan. It's not going to be a Gretna. It's not going to be a Berlingry. They want to be a community club. And I think that Area 5 needs it. Um, you, you have to to think as well at some point, Cowden Beath, could they maybe ground share with Kelty at some point if they do get the stadium? Because Central Park's certainly not fit for purpose. I don't know. I always kind of, I don't know if you remember, well, obviously you won't remember, but, um, you know, Airdrie buying Clyde Bank, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, they took over Clyde Bank, then Clyde Bank went out of business because of that, and Airdrie got their place back in the league that they were going to lose. That crossed my mind, funnily enough, as well. If, say, Kelty didn't get promotion this year, do they merge with Cowdenbeath? Do they buy over Cowdenbeath? I mean, I can think of worse ideas. Um, Call them West Fife. (laughs) West Fife, massive. Um, So no, I mean, you never know um, what could happen. Football, um, to use the analogies, it's it's a funny old game, isn't it? So Mm. um, it's clearly an ambitious um, boardroom at Kelty. You know, I've I've made my feelings on it completely clear over the the podcast. Um, I'm not going to go on about it because I've I've had a severe tongue lashing on Twitter today and, you know, I'm all about love and happiness. So, yeah, yeah, I I think we'll leave it at that. I I do like a good tongue lashing now and again, but that's for a a whole other show. That's for our Glory Days of Gold After Dark editions. (laughs) Glory Days of Gold, Glory Hole. (laughs) (laughs) Glory Holes of Gold. Oh. Glory Holes of Gold, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Our not safe for work podcast. Yeah, that can be our patron <laughs> thing if we ever get one of those up and running. <laughs> Let, let's let's bring this back to some kind of civility though, and it's time to get to another section that was not in last week's show. I was going to do one, but I thought it's a long enough show, and I was super super busy last weekend. But we're back with it this week. It's time for who are you? So here we are with this week's Who Are You and um, I'm going to have to try and cast my mind back for two weeks now but I'm sure that last week's answer um, or two weeks was answers was of course Darren Smith we had a few people get that right so well done if you did manage to get it so we'll move straight on with this week's so this week's one will begin with a guy that was born on a great day the 4th of April which is Instantly, my birthday was a wee bit older than me, though. So the 4th of April, 1983, he was born in Alexandria. So he played for three professional clubs, although was signed by one other. He started his career in 2000 and 2001 at Clyde, but didn't make a single appearance. He then went to Stirling Albion, where he stayed there for seven years, from 2001 to 2008. He played 186 times, scoring five goals. Then um, he came to East Fife and played with us between 2008 and 2010, playing 44 games. Before leaving us um, for his final senior club between 2010 and 2012, where he went to Dumbarton. So the last clue that I'm going to give you 
is that he's a defender. And of course, let us know. If you know who he is, then get in touch. And as usual, I have absolutely no idea. I'd worked out he was probably a defender when you said he'd only got five goals for that other club. So I kind of worked it out from that. And again, that era, can't think off the top of my head. Get some guys from the 80s and 90s so I can guess this. So Lee's just whispered in my ear who it is. Good luck if you get this one. Good luck checking. Well, I'm sick of people getting them so quickly, but normally Liam Anderson texts me like five past nine with the right answer. So try to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works. Yeah, this is a this is a, a tough one this week. Anyway, talking about throwing spanners and throwing other things, it's time for this week's Wavelength. And of course, it's Football Violence Awareness Month here at Glory Days of Gold and at AFTN. And we like to, to throw things at opposition fans. Lee doesn't, he's not condoning it. It's just me as the old hooligan wannabe that never was. But anyway, so for this week, we're going back... To 1986. And it's a song that's a little bit different from the other ones I'm playing. It's not punk, for starters. There's a shocker. And it's actually a song that I played on this week's AFT and Soccer Show here in Canada. It's a song based around the the trouble at the Liverpool-Juventus game, the Heisel Stadium tragedy and the football hooliganism there. It's a reggae track by English reggae artist Tippa Irie. And it's simply called... Football hooligan. Now this is the kid of football hooligan. All riff rough and rough and walk up and don't terrorize people on a football stand. Right now, Tipper, I will assure you, you're wrong. Hey, in the shame and disgrace from the land. Make a picture about the shame and disgrace from the land. Understand me about the shame and disgrace from the land. Tipper, I will in a shame and disgrace from the land. Now, what a big shame on the country, England. Tipper, I feel wonder myself. Man, I kill man, no one me attack about football only can Like them youth man, them don't give a damn Them not kill, but they do all of the innocent one Only thing them want to the competition That's the only thing them no forgive them satisfaction Come from around the world, English clubs get a ban And it's all because a few immature young man When them get you can't lick and me set in them system Come on lads, I'm ready now, you start round one And all hooligan, them have offensive weapon Them up number the police, white ten to one So the public no safe, that you must understand That's why it is a shame and disgrace for the land Make a tell you about the shame and disgrace for the land Understand them about the shame and disgrace for the land Before they read in a shame and disgrace for the land Now the rest of the story, no, just begun I am not from the sun, are the guardian I am a MC with a me day in a me yard, me say with my woman The two of us together watching television If I can remember right, it was BBC One And the European final was in session Liverpool and Juventus were the team in action I can remember who was giving commentation But the commentator was a shocker time man Cause all of a sudden, me say something went wrong Them letting Liverpool with Juventus fan And straight away it caused one big commotion the Juventus supporters started to scram And straight into a brick wall, most of them ran The wall it collapsed and it killed 40 man That's why it is a shame and disgrace from the land Like I tell you about the shame and disgrace from the land Keep up everything a shame and disgrace from the land Understand me about the shame and disgrace from the land Could you imagine this ladies and gentlemen Cause you is a wife who have a husband Who went to a match with him to 
and Ross Ruffiana Who walk up and down with the two caps on Your husband and your two kids dead and And could you imagine yourself in that situation It must be the work of the devil's Satan This lyric dedicated to our holy gun Say don't kill a person for no reason Cause even if your team are lose 7-1 It's not the end of the world, life still goes on Them tear up the seat, them down a loot on Go fix that up, it a go cost no grana And down a Bradford, me say, what happened? Mommy, you yeah, them burn down a whole complete stand That's why it is a shame and disgrace on the land Me can tell you about the shame and disgrace on the land So a little bit of reggae there, your reggae reggae sauce from Tippa Irie from 1986 with Football Hooligan. There wasn't any football violence though at the recent international matches that were were on, mainly because there was no fans in attendance. And we're going to talk a little bit, just a, a little bit, turn our attention to the Scottish national team in this part. Because Scotland, unbeaten since covid I think Cove is doing as well. We should have had two wins, in my opinion, but we drew one all with Israel at Hamden and then a sublime game against the Czechs. 2-1 against, who knows what Czech team that was. Did, did you get a chance to, to watch much of the, the games at all, Lee? Um, unfortunately for my eyes, I did turn the, the Czech Republic game on, but, oh my goodness. And I mean... <laughs> Look, I mean, I love Stevie Clark. I genuinely think he's the right man for the job, but holy wow, that was painful to watch. Um, absolutely painful to watch. And I'm a man who's a proud Scot, love my country, but f- watching Scotland's national team is absolutely torture. Mm. Complete and utter torture. Um, I've had a, a few discussions about Ollie McBurney um, on Twitter with um, some Rangers fans who seem to think that I've just got in for him. I just don't massively rate him as a player um, but you know he's, he's our, probably our best striker just now we need to try and keep him fit and get him in but considering we've got uh, you know the likes of John McGinn we've got some pretty creative players I would like to see us creating a bit more um, the, the Scott McTominay in defence I mean you know, I'm a Man United fan. He should be nowhere near a centre half position. I know we're struggling for centre halves, but surely there's there's somebody else we could play there. You know, trying to shoehorn um, Andy Robertson or Kieran Tierney into the team isn't going to work. We need to just pick one and go with it. Um, both players are top tier in my my opinion. I think that um, Andy Robertson's played at a higher level more regularly. He's playing in a better team. He's the captain. He should just be in there. If we want to try him out at right, uh, Tierney out at right back, then so be it. But you know, all 
joking aside, I, I think that we, we need to try and find our best team and quick and stick with it. Yeah, and we do have to find it quick because we've got the, the big game coming up on in October 8th. But just before we touch on that, it, it was good for me because there's no rights to show these games over here in Canada, but the UEFA app lets you stream it on your TV if you're in a country where there's not any actual TV deal. So I got to watch both the games live on TV, which is a, a bit of a rarity the, the last couple of, of years. But when everything was happening with the Czech thing, and I was like, this is just made for us to have another big fuck-up, another Scottish national team disaster. When they took the lead, you're like, oh, I don't believe this. It's, it was just written. But, I mean, fair play, they did fight back. But, yeah, the the next game that's coming up, October 8th, that's the big one. It's the National League qualifier that could take us to the Euros if we win the next two matches. It's Israel again. I hope we learned from this first game against them. For me, they're definitely there for the beating. We should have kept going the way we did in the first half and the second. We kind of took our foot off the gas a little bit. I'm confident now. I was a little bit swithering as to whether we could get past them. I think we can do this. Then we're facing Serbia or Norway for a place at Euros 2021. Yeah, um, look, I mean, in my lifetime, I've seen us at one major tournament and I was nine. You know, I've spoken about that in the past. Um, I would love to see us at a major tournament. I just don't think we're good enough. I don't. Yeah. Getting there is one thing. Being competitive there is a whole other thing as well. You don't want to go there and suddenly you're losing 3 and 4 now. No, I mean, I think that until, I mean, I look at the players in our squad, I just think that we should be playing better than we are. But, you know, I look at the formations we're trying to play, you know, a, a back three. And, you know, I just want to see us, and I've said this before in a, in a previous show, I just want to see us go for it. Like, you know, I would rather we went and got beat maybe 1-0 or 2-2 or, or, or draw 2-2 or, or, or lose 3-2 or whatever um, than bang one up top, pack the midfield and try and scrape a 1-0 win against Israel. You know, it's... You know, it's embarrassing to watch when we've got the team that we've got I, I, I personally think we should be doing better you know Ryan Fraser great player you know is just signed to Newcastle to stay in the Premier League Scott McTominay great player John McGinn great player Andy Robertson great player you know we, we look at our team across it you know we were as good as Wales we're as good as Ireland we're as good as Northern Ireland we're as good as Iceland you know I mean the, 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 we should be more competitive but for some reason or another it's just a glorious failure all over again. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going into this optimistic. I've been watching Scotland for so many years now that I know that's a dangerous thing because when you go into a game feeling optimistic, things just do not work out. There's some players that obviously can't go in the squad because of COVID restrictions. Not too, too many, but there's a few. One of them is Johnny Russell, who plays out here in MLS with Sporting Kansas City. I'm going to bring you a little bit of bonus audio now. It's, it's pretty short, but when when Johnny was here back in the end of February, when we could actually be beside people and be at games with supporters, that seems so long ago now. I, I chatted to him the day before uh, Sporting Kansas City training just about what he was looking forward to, to the game that was meant to be coming up pretty soon against Israel and whether he thinks that this time Scotland had what it took to get back to a big final. Here's what he had to tell us. Got to ask you about Scotland. Mm -hmm. Big games coming up, Israel, the, the first one. Is this the year we're finally going to get back to a major tournament? Hosting games, I mean, it looks... It's, got to do it. it's the best chance we've had in 
a number of years. Uh, so it's down to us, like you said. Tough game against Israel, and then if we come through that, another tough game away. So we're two games away. Uh, that's the way we need to look at it. We need to give everything we've got for these two games. We've got a quality side, a lot of young, good players. Um, a lot of players who are in good form at the minute. So if we get everyone going and playing the way that they have been at their clubs, then you know I'm extremely confident that we can we can qualify and you know probably be the, the highlight of my career if I'm selected in that and getting Scotland back to a major tournament. Um, you know I, I don't think there will be many things that would top that for me. So Johnny Russell there just chatting about his excitement. He believes Scotland can get past Israel get through this Nations League stuff and get into the Euros. I hope he's right. Last thing we'll just talk about international football for this part is, I, I've talked before, I've been watching the, the Faroes Premier League and I've been really enjoying it and I've kind of fallen in love with the Faroe Islands. I want to go there on a, on a holiday at some point. If you haven't seen this, dig out the highlights of their game against Malta. It's two all into the last minute the Faroe Islands get a free kick and it's one of the best free kicks you will see in this round of matches or any international matches this year. But the celebration and the commentary afterwards for their 3-2 win, it's just, it's a joy. Is, is it Kenny Duker-esque? Yeah, there's a lot of that kind of screaming. It's got Andy English style screaming in the commentary. <laughs> right, okay, I'll need to give that a listen. Anyway, enough of my waffling about that. Not got much more of tonight's show to go. Last week's show proved a massive hit. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but folk kept saying to us, we want more Davy Clark. You've got to talk to him again. There's so many more stories you could tell. We'll probably do that at some point. But for now, you're going to have to make do with finding out if Davy Clark, East Fife legend, does he fancy a chocolate digestive? Well, let's find out, shall we? So if you're sitting at home, Davey, and you decide to have a, a hot drink, what would be your hot beverage of choice? Would it be a tea, a coffee, a hot chocolate? Oh, a coffee. And are you a, a biscuit fan? Do you have a bit of a sweet tooth? Oh yeah, definitely. What's your favourite biscuit? Uh, probably caramel wafer, tarps. Oh, nice. And are you a dunker? No, 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 not at all. Just, just straight, straight waver. Yeah. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Davy Clark there, talking chocolate digestives. I'm sure we will have Davy on the show again. And it was such a well-received interview, Lee. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure from my era if it would get much interest. But, I mean, the, the amount of young people, you know, that your usual contributors, Scott Young, Henry Ireland, Phil Charletta, you know, these guys message me like, you know, it's absolutely brilliant hearing from that generation because it's one that we missed out on and, and arguably some of our most successful times as, as a club. So um, the, the feedback to it has been absolutely amazing. Um, and do you want to know what? It's, it's definitely been our most popular and talked about show so far. 
Definitely. I mean, I thought it would be Davey was a legend. I, I I was chatting to some some folk with just different messages and emails and stuff, and I was saying I I literally was hanging on his every word, and his daughter had posted uh, on Facebook that they'd listened to it back, and he he said he felt himself rambling a little bit at times, and it, it, she gave us plaudits for keeping him on track. I mean, it, it wasn't too bad. I had to do a little bit of editing just to, to keep things tight. But we do that in all the interviews. And it, it was just great hearing the stories. And there are so many other matches and occasions and things that, that we could touch upon. So if you're interested in us having Davey back on again for a chat, let us know. And as I keep saying, we want to get more players from that kind of era. If this one went down well, I'm sure some of the other ones would. It's been pointed out to me that Tam McCafferty actually lives in Canada now, so that is my goal, is I'm going to try and track Tam down and, and see if we can get something sorted out with him here. No, definitely. Um, I've reached out today to Arnold Borica, um, so hopefully we hear back from him. He's not yet read my message, and he's not um, responded to my friend request yet, so we'll have a quick look. Hopefully um, he's not seen it yet. And he'll the Trinidad restraining point. order is, is on its way. Yeah, maybe, I, who knows. tell you, I, I'd love to get him for a number of reasons, but one in particular, because the guy that brokered the deal between him and his wife and Jim Baxter was Jack Warner, the CONCACAF president that's been indicted on all these fraud scandals and stuff. So I'd love to know how we ended up with three Trinidad and Tobago players at East Fife back in the day. Because when you hear all these Jack Warner things and you look back at that and knowing Jim Baxter, just knowing Jim Baxter... That would have been a very interesting deal that was brokered, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I think maybe we could ask the, Arnold those questions. A, a few people have, have asked about getting him on the show and hopefully it's something we can make happen. I've got my AFTN Trinidad and Tobago flag, which I don't know if I have it over here or if it's at my mum's, along with my other East Five flag. I was looking when I was back in February and I couldn't find stuff. And like, sadly, my... My mum's got dementia now and she's kind of got rid of things that I don't think she meant to. And I just have this fear that she might have got rid of my two East Five flags because I haven't been able to find them here. And I'm like, oh no, they were kind of iconic things back in the day that we took to all the games. But hopefully next time I'm over, I can tear the house upside down and see if I, I can find them. But I mean, what other kind of mailbag feedback have we had over the, the last week or so, Lee? Has there been much? There's, there's been a lot. Um, there's been a whole lot. Um, definitely a great. Yeah, um, there's been some great um, stuff coming through from about people being excited about the, the fashion interview, which has been excellent. Um, a lot of people enjoyed our tweeting through the game um, for the the Stenhouse Muir game in midweek. Um, it's something that I enjoy doing and if it's something mm. that you're, you're wanting to keep hearing, then get in touch. You know, I, I did it as a little trial one um, and people seem to be enjoying it. Yeah, I've done it here a, a lot during games. I, I, I really enjoy it. And it's just a shame that our games aren't on proper TV because we could do watch-alongs and, and stuff and it, it'd be more fun, but... Obviously, it doesn't really work the same way with East 5 TV because you're using up all the bandwidth. But I, I enjoyed it because obviously I wasn't watching the game, so I was kind of following along while you were doing that. So yeah, keep that up. That was great stuff. 
yeah, more than happy to do that if it, if it is something um, that, that people are interested in. So apart from that, I'll be honest with you, the majority of our mailbag was filled, and I mean absolutely filled with, with Davy Clark. So, I mean, thank you so much for the absolutely outstanding support from that. I mean, you know, it really, really was excellent to see. Um, I loved how, how much you guys enjoyed it. And again, if you've got any suggestions, anybody you'd like on, let us know. Um, and again, thanks up once more for the, the, the support for the face masks as well, because a lot of people have said that they really liked them. I dropped Tony Charletta's off to him when I was driving past his house um, on Sunday. So, Tony, if you're listening, I'm sure that you're probably on your holiday now, so hopefully you're, you're representing and wearing a mask abroad. Um, also got a, a message from a friend of mine, Robert Johnman, who I sent a T-shirt out. He's out in Bahrain with the Navy, um, and I need to upload his picture of him wearing his, his Glory Days of Gold on his Navy boat. Superb. I'll add a section to the website, actually, because I've got Fifers on tour with folk in their East Fife kits. I'll add a separate Glory Days of Gold section where we can have folk wearing their their t-shirts wherever they are around the world. My new East Fife strip hasn't arrived yet, but that's no surprise since it took about a month for the t-shirt to arrive. And yesterday, I got a magazine I ordered two week, no, two months ago. So I don't know what's up with the Canada Post and the borders here at the moment. It's absolutely ridiculous. Might mean I have to start my Christmas shopping now for all the stuff that I like to usually order and send over from the UK, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. A reminder as well, other stuff that we're looking for you guys to contribute is your all-time East Fife 11s. Um, we'll get back to it as well, picking our all-time great team that you've seen with you, your own eyes. We'll be going to right-back, I think, for, for the next one. Because for some reason, you went left-back before right-back. That, that's the modern way of doing it. It's like my day, it was goalkeeper, right-back, centre-half, centre-half, left-back. But over here as well, they go left-back before right-back. It drives me nuts. It's because I was a left back back in the day. So was I, but usually in the dressing room. Other stuff we're looking for, because we haven't had any contributions for this as far as I can see. Who's your favourite Scottish hard men? Want to know about that. Players that you love to hate. We also want to know some more about that. And any other fun sections. Away day memories. That's a, another one that, that we are looking for as well. Oh, and Mount Rushmore. We're throwing all these things because we want to keep these going over the, the course of all the episodes. So get all these things coming in. I have thought of my Mount Rushmore. Oh, here we go. So, right. I'm prepared for an onslaught here, but oh, I'm oh going for Cedric Tuta, Alexis Duto, Stephen Tarditi and Derek Colhoun. Mm. There we go. We'd need quite a big Mount Rushmore. Pretty big I was the one I was thinking of. As soon as she said to me, I was like, oh, that's going to be a big bust. Which literally, <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, all joking aside, I do have a serious one. Um, and I'm going to go for if it's just purely players, just players, because I know that we've spoken about the managerial mm -hmm. one kind of takes um, care of itself. But I'm going to cop out with one. And it's our. Confirmed choice for left back in our all time 11s, Mr. Gary Naismith. I'm yep, going to take him. He's allowed to be on as player and manager because I, I did that with David yep. Clark with mine. Yep. I'm also going to take Paul McManus just for everything that he's done for the club and um, how often he's played for us. I think he's got to get a shout there. Well, if, I mean, if you're talking about big busts, you have to have someone called Shagger in the team. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so that's two, and I'll reveal my other two next week, just in case. Oh, we you tease. Yeah. Oh, teasing more than your half-naked interview with Fash. Nathan Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah, this exactly. is a family show, although it is marked explicit <laughs> from the very yeah. go. <laughs> but that's pretty much it for this week's show. We hope you have enjoyed it. It's been another long one, I know. Just before we go, Lee, give us another thanks to our sponsors this week. So thanks as always, John Scott Neal, top, top, top man, supports us in everything that we do. Really, really grateful for your ongoing support. Chris and Tracy, my mum and dad, um, my dad bought a mask and again, really appreciate the, the continued support that you've given us. And Michael Sullivan. Yep. Thank you one and all. I mentioned it last week's show. It's like your continued support. It's like blown leading myself away and it's like it's just been fantastic as you know we're pumping a lot of money back into the club as well so yep thanks so much guys let everyone know where people can find you online lee i might have to make my profile private but um you can find me on <laughs> twitter at lee g1903 you can find me on um facebook lee gillis if you want to, to to send me a message you'll see i've got a lot of the stuff that i share from the podcast online and of course on all the glory days of gold any social network pretty much we're on just by searching glory days of gold I, i'll be honest i didn't know there was a that many angry kelty fans but you, you find out the hard way in life well apparently not just Kelty fans I think they're actually Rovers fans for some oh. bizarre reason but yeah who knows fuck them yeah exactly I'm Michael McCoy you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada and also at AFTN website check out both my websites AFTN.co.uk for the East Fife stuff and AFTN.ca for Vancouver Whitecaps MLS North American football stuff you can also find our YouTube channels. There's a lot of old East Fife games up on AFTN website if you search that on YouTube. Some games that I shot back in the day and as I keep talking about, I need to get some stuff from VHS transferred and up there. But as always, thank you so much for your support. It's a late one. Lee's going to bed. I'm going to have lunch. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mom the Fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>